0: Thank you. everybody welcome to we've got ward a doof media podcast series where we expertly dissect and discuss ward wabos return to the world of parahumans my name is matt freeman and i'm excited to talk this week about this week's chapter uh, with uh, my you. co-host scott daly scott
1: This is the weekly podcast where Matt and I eagerly dive into Wildbos' world of listening between words, Kakuna Matata, and alien-based death powers as we analyze and interpret this ongoing web serial. This week, the beginning of the end continues as we make our way further into Arc 20 Last, covering chapters 20.3 and 20.4. The team invades the Cauldron base, trying to win it back from the seamerg and stop her evil plans. Unominously, Victoria starts to feel really good about herself and her new powers hatching from the fragile one and using her aura all over the place. Things are going well until Sveta gets all whiny about an Aunt Lady slicey Vicky neck open thingy and we go get her medical attention. She and Chris team up with Riley to execute Operation... Wait, this might actually just be a literal genocide? (laughs) Matt, (laughs) what are your thoughts on these two chapters?
0: Well, these were some heckin' fun chapters, Scott. Um,
1: Heckin' fun.
0: They're like, I, I... it's been so long since we had honest to goodness Seamurg head fuckery chapters, and in, in in you know, I, I forgot how fun the I, I don't know what the right word is, but like this little subgenre is of like psychological horror and creepiness, like super atmospheric creepy um, uh, paranoia. And, and yeah. all, all this kind of thing like, like this is I, I don't know. I just I thought it was exceptionally well done in these two chapters. And um, and there's a lot to talk about uh, subtextually this week, which it yeah. it, it even surprised me like 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 the my, my first read through. I was just like, wow, this is great. And, and you know, it, it worked on me. And then going through it later, I was like, wow, this there's a lot to this that I didn't even catch the first time. So I'm really excited to dig into it.
1: Yeah, I think I described it as kind of like a like a sneaky chapter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think there's there's some truth to that. Like there are there's a lot of, as you said, subtextual stuff going on that I think further reads illuminate. And I think it's one of those chapters that we could come out looking like real smart based on our subtextual reading or like real, real dumb. (laughs) It's I think there's going to be no middle ground.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Stay tuned to find out which one.
1: Sweet. All right. Um, let's just get into it. Huh? Yeah.
0: Quick announcements first. Uh, the fan art contest. Uh, the submission deadline has wrapped up. So um, the uh, the voting is now open for patrons.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that voting is going to go on through next Monday. So we will be announcing the winners on next week's episode. So uh, got some great submissions. I can't wait to show those off to everybody. It's really cool. The vote is actually very, very close. So if you are a patron and you have not voted yet, uh, go do that. Um, if you're not a patron. So a great time to become one and, and make your voice heard because this voting is going to come down to like one or two votes for the winner, I think. It's kind yeah. of crazy.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm not going to make any topical comments whatsoever about that. Um, <laughs> so next, next comment, next announcement rather. The all-packed-up uh, 24-hour live stream hosted by Elliot and Ruben, the fantastic hosts of the Deep Impact uh, show, just went fantastically. Uh, they raised over $5,000 for charity. Yeah. Um, I was like impressed as hell with, with how that went. Um, yeah. if you, if you haven't checked it out, uh, just go to twitch.tv slash And like, you can still see the, the, the VOD you can, you can skip around, um, it it was great, actually. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, and I think they have said they're going to release that in segments on you on our YouTube channel over the coming weeks. Um, so you'll be able to see it that way uh, if you don't want to like scan through the twenty four hour VOD. But yeah, I I am with you. I was I was blown away. Um, not only just by, by Elliot and Rubin's organization, like they had ideas for every little time period, and they were all fun and interesting and cool. But just the response for the community was incredible. Like. I remember talking to them a couple weeks before and and none of us knew how this was going to go. Like none of us had ever done anything like that. And and this was their baby. They did it from start to end. Like we just showed up a couple times who were just like, Hey, we're here to help, but it was totally their thing. And none of us knew how it was going to go. And it went incredibly. I think there were no less than, than 50 people at any point during the entire 24 hour stream, which is incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, some yeah. really great moments, uh, an interview with wild that I thought was fascinating. Like it was, it was such a great time and, and a lot of money raised.
0: Yeah. So yeah, please, please check that out. I mean, I think, uh, it's probably pretty heavy on the pack spoilers, but, um, yeah, it's super fun regardless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, final announcement, March's madness. 2020 round two is live. Is that right, Scott? You're in yeah, charge this, of this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The voting for round two is live and it will be open until this Sunday at about uh, five o'clock in the evening central time. So if you have not voted in round two yet, do that right now. And remember to leave comments. Um, we at the end of the show are going to be going over the results of round one. Not all of them because there's a lot, but we're going to pick some of the most contentious and most surprising results from round one and and read some of your comments. So tune in uh, at the end of the show for that.
0: All right, let's get on into these chapters. Let's do it. 20.3. And the heroes invade the cauldron headquarters this time in order to defend it. Victoria points out for us that this is uh basically a super important focal location for this story that the people have been fighting over back and forth for arcs and arcs now. Um and I think maybe this is a good good as good a time as any uh to talk about the why of it. Like the you know, this gigantic mountain-sized structure has been a pivot point that this story has hinged on. Um, even back to the end of worm actually it extends even beyond this story so what yeah. c- what can we say about its use as a setting
1: yeah i mean to me in this book specifically it just shows how much of this world is still revolving around the choices and the mistakes of those that came before it right we've said multiple times that ward is a very different book than worm it is not just worm 2 and that is undoubtedly true but it is still a sequel and our current opponents here at the end of this sequel are the seamurg and Contessa, two characters from the previous story. So like this worm is central to what Ward is and Cauldron is central to that story and thus has become central to this story. This story. Um, it, it's a group of people battling in a shrine to yesterday's mistakes, trying to figure out a new way forward, trying to figure out a new solution, a new answer, a permanent solution, a permanent answer to to the problems they've had.
0: Yeah, it also kind of strikes me that th- this place is sort of supposed to be like um, the castle keep or the panic room for humanity. Yeah, but that yeah, was sort yeah. of the intended use of it. And as the world has ended twice, um, humanity has retreated to this location twice. But that that hasn't it hasn't been a peaceful thing. It's it's become this nexus of conflict and disaster. And like this, I one thing I love about wild stories we saw it in in worm obviously with the uh the mall that that they kept returning to and it just got shittier and shittier as the story went on a uh, similar thing happening with this building where it's you know it's got giant you know cavities carved in it from uh you know the fight against teacher it's got now all this internal damage from the seamer presumably um just incredible you know the 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 gundam fights inside it just it's just getting torn torn to hell and it's it's uh it. it I don't know i think it's fun it shows it's it, sh- it kind of makes the uh the drama of the story manifest in a physical way that I think is cool
1: yeah no i think I think you're a hundred percent right there it's It's a very cool setting i mean like out of just the like the textual reason why we return here, it's just like a fun fun place,
0: yeah, totally. So the team is fighting off the rabid Seamurg victims. Uh, Victoria, at this point, is referring to Kid Wynn as just Wynn in her narration. <laughs> Apparently she decided this between the last chapter and this one.
1: Yeah, refuses um, to go with Man
0: Yep, and she's also referring to her force field as her uh, to other people at this point. <laughs>
1: Yeah. um, And this I think this force field beat to me is the start of a trend that will continue throughout both of these chapters and probably beyond them of Victoria and her power, just like generally making everyone around her super uncomfortable like in this situation she's hauling this giant ass gun around these hallways and then she just like casually floats down and snaps a knife in half the text doesn't say if this was done like with the force field surrounding her real hand or with just like a a force field hand or not but based on kidwin's reaction we can kind of guess which it is right
0: well and it's like it's
1: uncomfortable
0: yes and i mean i think the fact that she doesn't internally differentiate between the two is mm-hmm. is super telling and interesting right like like based on kidwin's reaction he's like okay yeah you just telekinetically invisibly did that right and i'm confused and and she's just like oh yeah i forgot i forgot that was in my hand basically it's kind of the yeah. way she um b- behaves in, in her mind um you know i i know maybe this is belaboring the point but like the story itself pointed out for us earlier that like getting your power to work better for you is just not something that really happens in this story. Like Taylor and Vista, both characters who were pretty powerful and talked about um, spending a lot of time and energy trying to like get, get on, you know, get more in alignment with their passenger, meditating, trying to figure out how to eke out the slightest little advantage in terms of control or range or what have you. And they never really got, big movement on that front right like neither taylor nor vista they're strong they're they're extremely capable and experienced but like never did they have anything close to what victoria has experienced in these last few um last couple of arcs i guess you'd say where where her power has shifted dramatically and we don't i don't really think we understand why you know
1: yeah, I mean, uh, Victoria assumes it's it's just the acceptance and the relationship between her and her shard. Um, I think we go back to the opening doors metaphor that we've touched multiple times in the story. But I, I think you're right that even even when Vista and Taylor like did get like advances in their control and improved, it was like hard fought over many years type of um, training and behavior and this is just like that. And and it's, it's sudden in a, in a position where everyone else, every other Cape in the world just had like a power reset that kind of made theirs a little bit harder to control, a little bit less precise, a little different, right? Everyone has changed differently to be more violent and less controlly. And then Victoria comes in here with this power that's like totally different and seemingly completely under her control. And it's like, Whoa, yeah. <laughs> like like we understand it. I mean, we saw the moment of her in the crystal. We saw the moment of acceptance. We saw the moment where she first tested her force field and grew it out and then shrunk it. No one else saw that. Um, And she's told them about it in a very loose term. I and mean, we're going to see Sveta like is just like losing shit in these chapters because she doesn't understand what's going on.
0: Yeah. Um. I mean, just yeah, just to, to highlight it, like it's. It's, uh, it's weird, right? It, it's not for me. I don't just, I don't accept the explanation that it was just like, Oh, she had a moment of, she had a, she had a breakthrough. She had a mental breakthrough and now yeah, and yeah. like, okay, that that's great. But, um, she's as far as we know, like the only pair human who's ever like had a mental breakthrough and then her power becomes twice as good suddenly. Yeah. I mean there's so. a lot
1: of there's a lot of weird stuff with being in shard world while it happens, you know, like I mean, I th- there's a lot of stuff you could just hand wave it away in that regard. But yeah. no, I think you're right.
0: I get that this is kind of a tangent at this point, but I, I wanted to talk about it up front because there's not really a more convenient place to talk about it. So
1: Yeah. Well and I think it helps establish like why everyone else is kind of losing their mind (laughs) when they're watching her do all these things. Like it's easy to just forget like we're, we're so in line and in tune with Victoria that we just forget what this stuff looks like to people who haven't seen every single step of her journey. um, Yeah. And and exactly why they are, they are, um, like as shocked and disturbed as they are. Right.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So, um, after this, there's this wonderful sequence, um, or, or maybe I think better to say a few sequences scattered throughout these two chapters where the text starts to focus on the sounds. And I did this a little bit mm-hmm. last chapter, too, actually, where it but, but once they're in the building, like people are broadcasting their panic and their freak outs on the PA system. You get this electronic screeching intermittently. You've got this refrain, which like modifies over time, saying it gets easier if you listen between the words. And. <laughs> And of course, the seamer screaming the whole time, which at this point, um, uh, like, uh, I don't know that that, that's that's got its own special sound in my head after after studying these books for so long. Yeah. Um, And then she starts to hear more words that aren't really even there sort of coming from the background, like sorry, wash and, and um, which remind her of these terrible events in her past.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think all this basically confirms what you were saying last week, that the noises on the wind was just the Seamwork fuckery, and that continues through these chapters. I think it it takes that concept and elevates it to, like, the creepiest level ever. I mean, our heroes are in this giant facility where their allies have turned against them, while creepy shit is playing over the intercom, and... Like we see every time one of this happens, like one of the heroes like reaches up and destroys one of those speakers just to make it stop, and it's like we're entering a horror game, and Absolutely. i do not I do not like it,
0: yes, uh-huh the horror game comparison is perfect, yeah, yeah, so um at this point, uh Chris saves everybody from a likely ambush from a cyber dog,
1: yeah, and of course, like like we've been saying the last couple chapters, we're still. In the mode of paying extra special attention to Chris, we know now that the idea is going to come to his mind any minute now, right? Like in the Seamer chapter, what she said is minutes after the call with Bonesaw, he was going to get an idea and he was going to act in that idea, um, and and so like we watch him save the day here, and it's like, does this mean? everything's okay maybe and I think it's that's just like wishful thinking right of course it doesn't of course it does not but like you're 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 wishing that it did
0: that's what's interesting is like everything Chris is doing on the surface appears to be like hey he's like finally acting as a functional and reliable member of the team right Um, not for the first time but like this is the only time he's done it without having a massive attitude like he's just sort of doing it and obviously he's dealing with his own shit and there's the Merg and everything but like he he doesn't he doesn't behave any in any specific ridiculous way in in these two chapters Um, yeah which is which is interesting and and like it's so it's such a positive development that we have to be skeptical of it basically
1: yeah well and it's (laughs) I mean I, I keep thinking about like I keep looking back to the question of well why why do we decide to do it in the order we did it? Right, like why did we preface what's going to happen with Chris in the Seamer Interlude before we did it? Besides just the fact that it's fun, um, and 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 I think because it allows us to look at him here and and like read between the lines, like if if we didn't know about the Seamer Interlude and we were seeing Chris right here, I think you and I would probably be like. Holy shit, man, look at our boy go like he's he's finally done it. He's turned the corner. Everything's going to be fine now. And and the reality of the truth of that then would be crushing. But I think here we have an understanding. We have a basic um, uh, seed planted where we know things are probably most likely going to turn real bad. (laughs) That's even, good, even as he's working towards improvement.
0: That's a good way of putting it. Yes. I think that's exactly the headspace that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um,
1: One of the things I, I really like throughout this part, and, and I think it's a good framing of the chapter as a whole, is that in this early moment when everyone's kind of freaks out... Um, Victoria is desperately trying to keep everyone calm and keep everyone going and this starts simply here with words of encouragement it's like she's just saying just endure keep going stay calm stay level and like this is how she's attempting to to control people or not control them. that's the wrong word but attempting to inspire the troops and keep them moving forward and it's it's fun seeing that. It starts here in the beginning and then escalates throughout these two chapters to use of her aura to achieve these same things, like it's like words alone no longer become sufficient, and she switches to real heavy aura usage by the end of these two chapters.
0: yeah, I think you're right. I mean, we've sort of been pointing out her um hypocrisy regarding her aura throughout the story mm-hmm. and this is probably the peak of that that we've seen,
1: yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that,
0: yeah. So the lights go out, which is just perfect. Um, probably helps that I played Soma recently. Uh, we did a cast on that. Check it out. Uh, yeah. so, uh, you know, in terms of visualizing and imagining the soundscapes for this fucking nightmare, that was a that was a resource my brain was drawing on. Sure, um, sure. Uh, the, I think
1: I think yeah. mine was, too. And that's why I said video game. Yep. Like,
0: yeah. Yep. Um, so the team uses like various methods to provide illumination, including Trophy Wife's use of cat eyes to give everyone night vision.
1: Mm hmm. And it's really creepy. Like this whole part is super creepy and I really love it. But I want to pause on this for a moment because I want to talk about tone management, because I think there's a really interesting thing that happens in this section because the lights go out. Everyone's kind of creeped out. Trophy wife turns on her eyes and that la- lets everyone see. And there's this really funny moment in here where withdrawal is like, do I want to know where those eyes come from? And finale is like, no, nope. Don't tell me. Woman couldn't pay her bet on d- dead on time. I gave her the choice. no. No. Nope. No, no, no. Finale raised her voice, drowning out trophy wipe. Stop. Stop. Gave me her cat. No. (laughs) And it's like it's like this really funny beat. But immediately after this beat is this moment where as soon as cat is said, Victoria's skin crawls. And the thought was involuntary. I'd made strays and I'd I'd made I'm made of strays and escaped pets and rodents and bugs. My skin crawled more. And, And so in this scene, we go from creepy. The lights turn out to funny to right back to creepy again. And normally in that kind of thing, I'd worry about a tonal whiplash that kind of loses the reader here. But here I think it really works. And I think it works because a certain a certain level of like nervous humor actually helps like. Temp- very temporary release but then subsequently actually increased tension um and, and we have this moment where like the, the lights go out and everything's spooky and finale provides us with this tension relief and then the second we feel that relief we're pulled back into victoria's point of view cats she's made out of cats and we realize that that humor actually comes from like a disturbing moment like it, it's funny it is funny finale's reaction to it Um, but it is disturbing. And so like, like you're, you're just like, there's a certain amount of whiplash there, but I think that, that it keeps things steady. You know what I mean? It's
0: darkly funny. It's not, um, it's not breaking the tone funny. It's, it's funny within the dark tone. And also, um, it's not two characters quipping, in a way that demonstrates that they're not actually afraid and this is all funny and it's okay Mm -hmm. uh, to the, to the kids in the audience. It's, um, finale is not having a good time. Victoria doesn't think this is funny at most. Maybe trophy wife thinks this is funny, but in a way that's like sick. So it's, so you're not like, like it's, I mean, I, 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 I like the MCU movies a lot. Um, but I think it's often a fair criticism that that they can undercut the, the tone and the stake and, and, and the sense of there being any gravity by having the characters like quip to each other because that is the in my opinion the wrong way to do humor in those situations where it's just like, Oh, okay, the characters don't actually think this is serious and dangerous. Well then it must not be. Um that's not what's happening here, obviously. So
1: No. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't fully agree with that assessment of the MCU, but that's a whole different conversation. But it is. Um, I, I, I am with you a hundred percent on this. I think that the, the, it is funny. Like this part is funny, but it's funny. And like a, you feel immediately bad about laughing kind of way. Yeah. And I think by pulling you immediately back into Vicky's POV and immediately back to a thing that she hasn't thought about for a while. Like she hasn't thought about the, I'm made of cats and rodents and thing, things thing for a little bit. And it kind of primes us for, the the specific kind of head fuckery that the Merg is going to be doing while also giving you just a little microsecond of tension relief and then kind of making you feel bad for it a little yeah. bit after.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think it's great. Um, yeah, it's it's what you want in this kind of creepy horror chapter.
1: Yeah, totally. Totally. Um. So before we move on here, Matt, I just want to do some good old fashioned Scott and Mad Matt read way too much into things section. Um Okay. Because as you mentioned before, audio is coming over the speakers and it's saying random creepy things. And in this part of the chapter, one of those random creepy creepy things is get between the words. Um, and, and this is actually this specific quote is what makes Damsel destroy the speaker that leads into the next part where Torso hears them and uh, and comes up to them. But anyway, it goes back to that earlier quote that you mentioned. It gets easier if you listen between the words. Now, this just seems like creepy nonsense, which it very much is. But. What is it actually saying? <laughs> Listen between the words. What does that mean? Well, that's literally what subst- subtext is, right? Like yeah. it's, it's not the literal meaning of the words, but the meaning underneath or between them. Yeah. This book is literally inviting us and demanding us to look at the subtext present in these chapters. There are things going on. Yes, but there are things going on between all the things, and that is true to what the Seamurg is doing here, right? Everything has a meaning behind the meeting. There is a reason things are playing out in the order they are playing out in. There's a reason that Victoria is reminded of cats and what it specifically does to her. There's a reason to all this, and here's the book almost like literally telling you, hey, hey, read between the lines.
0: Yeah. Yeah. um, We're not going to have time to go through every single character who's in these scenes and talk about like what is happening behind the curtain p- potentially or or yeah. what we're supposed to infer based on various clues. But I think we're going to try to pick out as many as many moments as we can where they seem clear. Um, um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, like that's definitely I mean, just definitely you can walk into this knowing that it's not just Victoria who is hearing these things and, and feeling these feelings. Everybody has their own little privately programmed horror show, and the text says this outright too, like hey I, right. you know uh, everybody's going through this, so
1: yeah I, I mean um, one of the other the the flip side of this is that the Seamerg is telling people to do that, so they read subtext that isn't there, right, uh-huh. so like it's like be th- reader be thinking about the subtext here, characters, yeah, there's definitely subtext to that, they definitely mean something else there um it's it, it works on both those levels, I think
0: that's really fascinating because presumably. Seamurg wanted uh, these people and Victoria specifically to hear that message,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. M-
0: meaning that it's like, yes, Victoria, engage your rational analytical faculties. <laughs> right, right. You can totally handle this. You've got this. You have all the tools necessary to fight the Seamurg walking into this battle. You should be very confident in yourself. Yep. That's exactly the headspace that I want you in for the next thing that I have planned for you.
1: Right. Right. And I mean, we see in 20.4 specifically that how the CMERG is fucking with the group's understanding of each other. Um, Like we see through the how are you doing on a scale of one to ten thing. People are misremembering, quote unquote, yeah, differently.
0: (laughs) Yes, absolutely.
1: It's great. I love it. I love it so much. There's so much going on here. Like so much. There's like three levels. And what you said about how like every We don't have time to go through every character who there might be multiple things going on. I think you're right. And I'm not even confident in saying that like every single character in the scene has like a a textual meaning and a subtextual meaning of what's going on here. But it doesn't matter because it feels like they
0: do. Well, and also like like Damsel, for example, I don't I, I didn't notice anything in particular that makes me think like, oh, this was a reference To this thing that happened in Damsel's past. But, like, you don't need that. You know what her issues are already. Yeah, yeah. So you don't need to be told again. It's kind of how I think about it. Yeah, no, totally. Speaking of Damsel, uh, the next beat is that uh, she drew a lot of attention when she blew away that speaker, uh, which was probably intended. Mm -hmm. And some of that attention turns out to be just Torso catching up. uh, Who then gets shot in the groin by uh, Manwin for his trouble.
1: yeah. And in our little read between the words thing, right? Like it, it's 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 Windman yeah. <laughs> that does it, and and we remember this is the kid with confidence in issues who continually felt like the goofy screw up, right? Like he couldn't do anything right, none of his stuff ever worked right. He just messed up, and he was a liability on his team. And what does he do here? He does an oopsies, and yeah. I think it's great because we see here that Christopher is like super apologetic. For a lot more of the chapter, like he keeps apologizing to Torso. He feels really, really bad about it. And I'm just like, well done, Seameric. Well done.
0: Yeah. Didn't he literally, wasn't Friendly Fire with his little stunner bolts literally the thing that he did in the skirmish against the Travelers that he was then really messed up about?
1: I think so. I don't remember that specifically, but I do remember an instance of Friendly Fire getting him in
0: trouble. I'm yeah. pretty sh- I mean yeah. I mean it, it he either shot a, a, an ally or or he shot himself because Trickster was was fucking him around. Yeah. yeah. Um and that was that that just like really bothered him because he's like got him such a fuck up and and yeah. it's the same basic thing here. So, yep. yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's why uh, these chapters
1: are so fun, Matt. <laughs> yep. <laughs> There's so much going I on. I
0: love it. There's all these all these like callbacks that are filtered through um so the team so that they, they they fight The people who show up, Um, the team discusses the state of mind that everyone's in. And uh, Victoria has this this little outburst. Fuck you, Seamurg. The statement was marked by others looking at me. Oh, I would said that out loud. Do we need to worry? Cluck Pluck pluck Plucker asked. Addendum to that thought, I said, fuck her. And no, it's not working like she wants it to. She's poking at obvious weak spots I've been dealing with for years. I can take it.
1: Man, I love this so much. Yeah. First of all, the, Oh, I'd said that out loud. is just perfect. But the first time I read through this and maybe you have the same, the same memory, but the first time I read through this, I was like, fuck yeah, Matt. I was like, look at Victoria resisting all the shit. The Seamurg is throwing at her. It's awesome. Like we talked about this a little bit last week. We talked about this idea that Victoria has just had this great, um, breakthrough this, this, this love and acceptance and, what narratives normally do is that when a character has this moment, they usually test that moment. It usually, it usually the character is thrown into conflict where that change is tested. And on the surface, that seems like what this is doing, right? She's made this breakthrough. She's came to this new point, and then all the old tricks are going to be thrown at her to see if new version of Victoria can resist all these old tricks. And at first, you're like, "Fuck yeah! Look, she's doing it. She's passing the test. It's awesome." But then you go finish the chapters and you go back and read this again and I'm like oh no (laughs) like this could definitely be a trap of overconfidence here like where the Seamurg is literally taking the progress that Victoria has made the newfound love and acceptance and using these very things against her like I mean if you look at this like fuck her no it's not working like she wants it to and I'm like it's not
0: she's that's like yeah
1: (laughs) like She's poking at obvious weak spots, obvious weak spots. If the weak spots are so obvious, does that sound like something the Seamurg would do? No, no.
0: Yeah. um, I mean, I admit I, when I read it through the first time, I was absolutely like, yeah, this is a fantastic victory lap for Victoria. I'm so mm-hmm, glad that she gets mm-hmm. to just dominate, and and then you know doing the notes. I was like, oh no, it's complicated. It's actually complicated, Scott. Yep, yep, it's complicated again. Why does Wildbo do this?
1: Yeah, why does he write complicated <laughs> conflict? Ugh, yeah. I hate it.
0: Yeah, um, so they all give numbers on how they're doing, and Victoria says she's a seven, um, and most people put themselves down as like mid-range numbers in the five to five to seven range i guess byron puts yeah. himself at a four which is i think the lowest mm-hmm. um cryptid is an eight or a nine he's just doing fantastic torso said he he would be a 10 if not for the crotch shot so wow good for him
1: God, i love i love torso yeah his skull's so thick the mind whammy doesn't work on him
0: it's uh, i i wonder. <laughs> i mean i wonder if there's more to torso beyond being comic relief because it is it is very fun but i'm like Really? Just he's just shrugging <laughs> off the Summer? I don't know. OK. All right.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if we're ever going to be able to know that. <laughs> just yeah. Just the nature of his character. But I don't know. I don't think I don't think there needs to be more to him. I think I think it works.
0: <laughs> uh, torso interlude is next, of course.
1: Of course. Of course. Yeah. I'm going to brew the day I said that. Yeah. Um, so I. Like we said earlier, Wildbo has kind of, I think, been giving us hints at the fucky, seamurgy nature of things going on. But I love that this element is introduced here. We lay it down in numbers. And then in the next chapter, he can take these numbers and distort them and, and like, draw very clear, like obvious signs to how things are being distorted, right? Because if you lay it down in a factual number, like Victoria here says she's a seven. Next chapter, someone's going to say, I thought you said you were a six. And. Immediately, your brain goes, wait, that's not right. Yeah. And then it'll happen again. Didn't you just say you were a nine? Right. No, she didn't. She didn't say that. Uh, it's just it's just a great way to take what's being done all throughout these chapters and give it like an anchor of easily digestible, like obvious changes that like hint you towards the greater screwiness that's happening.
0: Yeah. And and how much it's working too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because definitely
0: if, if they're if everybody if everybody is making these mistakes, then clearly it's working on them. Right. It, you know, the fun <laughs> the, uh, the 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 medium sized brain interpretation is that everybody is um misremembering. The galaxy brain interpretation is that Victoria's not actually saying what she thinks she's saying.
1: Oh god, um, yeah. I don't even know what that would mean. I but don't yeah. either. It's fun to think about though. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um okay. So, you know, one thing that's happening in the background, you know, we're watching everybody deteriorate gradually over the course of these chapters. Um, We get to guess what's eating at them. Sveta sort of takes like a leadership role in this chapter. Yeah. And that's because she knows her way around the base better than the others, uh, which is a bad thing, actually, because of the context of that. Um, She actually she takes an even more firm leadership role when they decide that Victoria might be compromised uh, in the next chapter. And after that happens, then she becomes increasingly short and direct and angry and really kind of not like herself.
1: Yeah. I mean, I love that we don't have to pay specific attention to it or draw that specific attention to it outside of like these very cursory, like her kind of slotting herself in attention, her saying, I know the way I'll take control. But I think you're absolutely right that this has got to be extremely traumatic for her just generally. Like, not only is she storming this base again, she's storming this base with a bunch of teammates that are getting like increasingly more injured. I mean, like she's been here before, but this right. is this is a specific way in which she's coming back into Cauldron headquarters that is very close to the her and the rest of her team did back at the end of Worm. And so, yeah, I mean, there's got to be a lot of like. And I'm sure, like in in if we were in Sveta's head during this whole thing, I'm sure the Seamerg is instead of saying things that remind Victoria of of uh, her time in the hospital or that she's made out of cats or things like that, in Sveta's mind, it's things that remind her of what Cauldron did to her and of and of what happened here. Um, yeah. Th- this this becoming like the division point of her with the rest of her kind.
0: It, yeah it kind of makes me want to like dig. I, I I didn't have a chance to do this and I didn't notice anything on my, on my two read throughs, but like I was wondering if there's anything that could be construed as like a, an egg reference or a, or a weld reference or something that would be really pointed. I didn't see anything, but
1: you know. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't see anything like that. I mean, maybe there's yeah. certainly, it's, I, I certainly will never say that I am at close to confident that I picked up on every small, tiny, wonderful thing these chapters are doing. Yeah, definitely yeah. not.
0: Yeah, me too. So the team finally reaches a concentration of heroes, including Defiant and Gilpatrick. Victoria touches base with Gilpatrick. And we learn that his power is apparently a thinker power that lets him see the lies people tell themselves as a physical manifestation. And uh, other than that, we don't get a lot from him other than like this great emotional moment where um, he's really happy to see her and and sort of like really deeply moved and and emotional and and stuff. Um, Yeah. There's also this line where she says, we'll get through it, I told him, and then thinks to herself, or die trying. <laughs> and I immediately thought, yes, that's what killing you means.
1: I saw you write this in the script, and I didn't remember where it's from. Where is it from?
0: It's it's uh, um, Infinity War. Oh, yeah.
1: You're right. You're right. Okay. It's yeah. it's
0: uh, Peter Dinklage. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway.
1: So I, I love this power. It's like perfect shard fuckery, right? Like when you think about his past interactions and think about what was going on in the dream room, um, of course he gets this power to suss out the lies people are telling themselves. But of course in classic shard form, it can't just present as a normal thing. It has to be like, he sees a physical manifestation of that lie. It's awful.
0: Yeah. And of course, obvious how that ties into his trigger quote quote unquote trigger event the, the, you know, the, the terrible situation with his, um, with the kid who he was trying to help,
1: yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's perfect. I love yeah. it. Um, I can't like <laughs> I can't help but wonder if it's on right now. I mean, he specifically says when he first got it, it's like an always on thing and it takes effort to turn it off, which had to have been a terrifying experience. But like, what is he seeing? When he looks at Victoria, she's talking to him like what lies is Victoria telling to herself here? Like we don't get to see like even the will get through it. Is that a lie that Victoria is telling herself like the or die trying bit maybe tends to like hint that, that it, there's some amount of untruth there. So like is he seeing a physical manifestation of that standing right next to Victoria or I think it's layered on top of right?
0: Yeah, like like somehow in their features. I mean, he, he didn't he didn't explain it clearly, but yeah. Um, I I do have this terrible feeling that like we're gonna see this power in use. Like like we'll see yeah. we'll see, we'll see Gilpatrick again, and it's gonna be some terrible thing. Like I I just have this feeling like the story, the direction of the, of the rest of the story is not gonna be. And then now that Victoria has had her big breakthrough, she just kicks everybody's ass for the entire rest of the story, and it's totally it's totally a victory lap, and um, high fives all around, happy ending. No, um, not with I, I the Merg here. I mean, I want I want it to oh, be, sure. but you know, yeah, no, yeah, I, I, yeah.
1: I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if any of the like. I feel like this is either just like a cool like. People were wondering what Gilpatrick's power is going to be, or it's like a, it's laying a seed for something that's going to pay off. Interesting later. I don't know.
0: I I guess it could be just that. That, yeah. 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 We'll see. Um, So Victoria, you know, in this conversation or after this conversation with him, acknowledges that she is hauling around 12 tons of gun, which is something that she's thought about before. Yeah. Um, But the kind of the connecting thought here isn't just about that because we have, we have kind of talked about that before it's this next line where she says the gun wasn't even the fucking irony here. 12 tons of gun was nothing compared to the weight of the countless lives I was preparing to take. I looked over at Chris.
1: Yeah. So (laughs) we're back to this again, Matt. And Uh I still, I still don't know what genocide actually means here, but lines like this certainly mean to make it think that, that like, It's just genocide.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We, we talked about this a little bit today where we tried to like war game out all these alternative interpretations where we were like, yes. So like you can interpret genocide as like, maybe there's just not going to be capes anymore. Or like maybe there's not going to like, maybe all the, all the humans are going to become parahuman and, and like nothing fit. And we're just like it, maybe she's just literally going to like do what it kind of seems like she's saying. Um, I guess the reason, one of the reasons why I, well, okay. Other than it being horrifying, but one of the reasons why I kind of struggle with that interpretation is like, um, Scott, if, if I were to be like, um, Scott, uh, you're, you're going to need in the next hour, you're gonna need to kill, um, your mom, your cousin, your dad, um, uh, all, all of your close friends. Um, most of the people, you know, really, you're going to have to kill them. Uh huh. Um, and, and yourself, um, do you think that you would be thinking more about that fact?
1: Yes, <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> so, 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 so,
1: a million percent.
0: So, so that that that's in a, in a nutshell why I'm like trying to think my way around this. It's possible that like it's so horrifying to her that she's just uh, flinching away from the thought. That that's also that's possible you know, a possibility. Yeah. But I, I I'm really struggling to understand exactly what the uh, the deal is here.
1: Right, and I mean like I think we talked about like. <sighs> I mean, like the line here, I think that the, the wording here is very specific, like it's not um, like it's not like this is nothing compared to the weight of the countless lives that would be sacrificed or or nothing compared to the countless lives that would be lost. This is this this 12 tons of gun was nothing compared to the weight of the countless lives I was preparing to take right. Like Victoria takes ownership here. She takes ownership of this, the lives I was preparing to take. Those are, it's such a powerful phrasing. And again, like that certainly seems setting it up for exactly what we think the word genocide means. Yes. But, but I re I remain utterly confused. Like do, I don't, I don't know who knows about this plan. Like I, I still, I still am not like clear. like, Does does Breakthrough know about it? Are they are they cool with it? Like, I feel like someone like Sveta would be like, hey, (laughs) what? what?
0: Excuse (laughs) what? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, follow up question. If after putting you in that situation, I were to be like, Scott, on a scale of one to ten, how are you doing? (laughs) Would you say eight?
1: Oh, yeah, I'm doing great. I'm doing great, buddy. I'm doing great. Yeah, I mean, like, we did this really interesting thing where the the only time she said genocide, the only people that were around her were Riley on the phone and Chris in front of her, right? So the rest of her team were not around her when she said genocide. Um, Yeah. I don't I don't know. I am utterly confused. So.
0: Yeah, um, <laughs> and that's,
1: I don't have anything else to say I'm, about it.
0: I'm confused in sort of an exciting way where I'm yeah, like, well, I like, can't wait to see how this resolves.
1: Right. Because like that, that is my like when I'm confused about something, I'm like, oh, the explanation of this is going to be fascinating. And, and yeah. I, I remain I think that is true. But I, I sit here and look at a sentence like this and I'm just like. What? What? <laughs> what?
0: Yeah. And I mean the funny thing is this is one of the only times it's mentioned um in these chapters and yeah. so this is why we're talking about it so much here.
1: Yeah, I mean Sarah was in on that conversation. Right. Right? She's cool she, with it. She's got
0: a daughter. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um
1: I mean I guess like like I guess you could argue, you could make the argument if if the, Victoria's plan is the literal after we've lost plan, right? Like mm-hmm. it is the game is over. Everyone's going home already. And then we're going to trigger the final plan. So in in the scheme of what are we going to do and what are people going to be concerned about, like the after you've already lost plan might just not be something that people get that up in arms about because yeah. you've already lost. Right.
0: Like like this, I guess dying would be better than being the Merg's eternal like slave subject.
1: Sure. Sure.
0: I'd still not be. Rating. I'd still not be thrilled about that. Still. Yeah. I
1: mean, I, I look, I mean, I don't think that is going to just be literally what she's planning. Like, I think it's going to be more complicated than that from, you know, a, a thematic reason from a narrative reason. And just from like, I just don't, I just don't think that's where the book is going to go, but I, I, it's certainly, it's certainly thrown me for a loop. Yeah. And yeah. and maybe that's what it's designed to do. Like we're supposed to be like, we're, we're supposed to be looking at this, this quote right here and being like, Huh? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, I think so. I, I think we're, I think we're supposed to be. I, I think we're supposed to be not sure what exactly the plan is for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So as they are kind of in this big room with all of the uh, other heroes and uh, you know about to to move out, Sumer dives down into the midst of everyone, just blasting them with her psychic attack and wailing on everyone with. You know, telekinetic projectiles and hitting Victoria with this, this uh, seductive sense of what it might have felt like if certain people had said the right things at the right times instead of what actually happened. Um, but Victoria has spent the whole story practicing for this. And so she is able to push back and use her aura in return, which is a psychic attack of her own basically.
1: Yeah. And I want to circle back to the conversation we were having a little bit earlier with Victoria being tested, because what I definitely don't want to do here, what I'm worried we did in that initial conversation is minimized Victoria's accomplishment in in our in our saying that this is all a C-Berg plan. So I want to I want to word this very carefully. So like there's this wonderful part here where she hears I never had a trigger event. Dean's voice. I had to abandon you for my own health. Jessica's. I'm sorry. I was selfish. It wasn't your fault. And and wonderfully, for some for some reason, we don't get uh, an origin point of that last quote, um, Uh which is just I love it. But anyway, regardless of whether this is a seamer plot to give Victoria confidence or not, for Victoria to get hit with with psychological manipulation to this level and not only survive it without spiraling out, but to push back against it and counter it with her own like or a scream of fuck you that inspires her troops forward is a staggering accomplishment for the character that we saw in arc one of the story like like regardless of whether this is the seamer using victoria's progress against her does not diminish the fact that she's made progress this is everything she's been working toward all books all book and it is absolutely wonderful like it's all wonderful like this fuck you i willed i pushed again trying to feed and Courage and outrage to the crowd on a level that would serve the people who needed it. I'm not the one. I'm not who I was when Ophion got me. I'm changed. I think that is such a powerful, powerful moment. And regardless of the fuckery going on beneath it, it's super awesome.
0: Yes. This is one of those occasions where I'm like, I think if I wasn't doing this deep reading podcast thing, I would just take this fully at face value and just be like, this is great. Like we know the Seamurg hasn't got a perfect beat on everyone. The Seamurg is trying, is basically trying to hack into people And that means that she doesn't necessarily have the right read on them. Like, like maybe she literally just has like an old, like old data on Victoria. And so she literally is just button mashing and hitting all these obvious buttons that Victoria has dealt with. And that's all this is like, like I'm, I, I would love it if that were the case, if it were just like, no, actually, um, she's just not working on Victoria. Victoria, her breakthrough has, has literally, um, Enabled her to fight back against the seamer in a in a very powerful and and self affirming way like that would be awesome because we do this thing that we do that we always do where we have to take everything from uh, five degrees of separation eight degree chess mm-hmm. whatever um, I get I, I I have to like second guess that but like I kind of want that to be what's actually happening <laughs> you know yeah
1: I mean. <laughs> I do. And I don't, I want that to be for my love of the characters. I don't want that to be for my enjoyment of the book because I, I don't know that would like, I feel like that would be a less complex and satisfying ending than just like, Nope. Turns out it, n- none of it worked actually. She's fine. And like I, I the concept of a victory lap, I don't think is like one that I think really necessarily works in this book. Like I, I think she's going to be struggling right up until the end. And, and I think there's more struggle to be had here. So, um, I I'm I'm torn on it. I both want it and not want it to be true. And and the more I studied the chap these chapters, the more I read them, the more I kind of convinced myself that no, there's definitely something else going on here. I mean, we kind of see her deteriorate in the next chapter. Like even even the coping mechanisms that sh- that were working great kind of start to break down because that's literally what the Seamark does. The longer you're within her range, the worse it gets.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll, I guess all I can say to all that is like. I'm really quite open-minded at this point. If if you want to tell me, hey Matt, I disagree, I'm going to be forced to say that's impossible because I don't really have a position. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I any direction this goes from here, I, I think could be extremely interesting, and and I'm down for it. Um, I definitely want to see Victoria succeed and, and win and and win the day and, and be the hero here. Yeah. Um, I'm just kind of like. It's almost too, too good for me to just accept that that, that that's what we're seeing, you know?
1: Yeah. And I, I don't think uh, to to rephrase, like, I don't think what's being done here is actually like Victoria is going to be secretly whammied into being the enemy of everyone. Like, I don't think I don't think we're going to go that far. I don't think this is that kind of story. But I also don't think it's going to be quite as simple as no, Victoria's just resisting it. We're good.
0: Yeah. I think you're right. Somewhere in the middle, probably. Yeah. Yeah yeah okay cool uh so um i just uh fucking love this bit though where the seamer just kind of sits there silently and nobody can hit her because she set up all the dominoes such that every attack just foils itself before it can land um and like it seems like all, i mean from victoria's perspective who admittedly she's our point of view but it seems like she's like the only one who's able to employ her formidable formidable skills of psychological jujitsu to remain effective here As she flies around and saves multiple people uh, while steadily firing at Z's um, or more correctly, while fragile one steadily fires at Z's because we shortly after realize that the force field is now independent of her.
1: Yeah. Holy shit. And we'll talk about that in a sec. But yeah, I mean, this whole part, like if we're talking about victory lap, right, this is this is a moment. This is a moment that Victoria has 100 percent earned and it is just as badass as it should be. She's flying around. She's saving people. She's like she saves like I don't know how many people, like at least like four people. I think that she's like snatching people out and probably more than that. She's just being awesome. And and I don't again, I don't think that, that my worry about Seamurg nonsense takes away from the amazingness of this moment. It is undoubtedly cool. And and what I love about this, what I love about what Wildbo has done here is There's a potential for both those things to be true simultaneously, like like we could learn tomorrow that 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 we are 100 percent right, that this that this success that Victoria is having here is a part of a plot to make her feel a little bit overconfident. And then she oopsies somewhere. Um, I don't think that would take away from the success of this moment, though.
0: I agree. Yeah, I think that's a good way of looking at it. Actually, like this is this is an awesome moment, almost independent of what happens later. Yep, I like yep. that framing. Cool. Yeah. Um, so speaking of the force field, uh, on a reread, it was especially clear that there's there is this connection being made between the cocoon, um, the idea of a cocoon, the concept of a cocoon, and her bursting forth from the ribcage of the cocoon that Amy had made for her, and of course the cocoon that is fragile one. Yeah, Uh, which Victoria has now emerged from as a glorious butterfly.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's kind of showing how the relationship between Victoria and Fragile One is working in tandem because Victoria latches onto this cocoon imagery like the Seamirk hits her with what is supposed to be an attack um, psychologically on her, this cocoon imagery. And instead of focusing on the horror of it, she instead shifts that focus to what came out of it. Like what what was hatched from this terrible cocoon? Well, it was me. Victoria, this wonderful, incredible, heroic person. That's me. And she latches onto that idea and then uses that in communication with her sh- her shard to do some crazy cool new thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's, really it's great. great. It's I mean, um, yeah, I'll I'll talk more about that in a minute. I'll, I'll hold off on that.
1: I mean, I just love how the book reveals it, though. Like, I love like the, the way it's done is there's this moment where she says the fragile one fired the gun and you're like, that's weird. Normally, yeah. like she just says. I I did it I fired yeah. the gun and we're like okay whatever and then Sveta asked her help and she's like okay but I don't have my force field and and you're just like what yeah. like it's it's really this wonderfully constructed moment where it's like almost intentionally confusing for just a beat when you're just like just intentionally confused for just a, a couple seconds and then it's like oh 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 yeah fuck
0: it's it's kind of gratifying because Sveta just like boggles at her like what the f- fuck are you talking about? Like right. in the middle of this fight, she's just like, I don't even know what that means. Um, But yeah, no, it's great. Um, yeah, well,
1: Like how off putting would this be for the perspective of somebody else? Yeah. It's like, wait a minute. Yeah. What? what? Absolutely.
0: Uh, I mean, okay. So, so, so I'll move on to this point and then I want to say the thing that I was going to say. So Victoria uses her, her aura now, not just to broadcast that fuck you, but now to broadcast like encouragement yeah, and, yeah. And, and solidarity. Sure. And um you know, I think we it's been a while since we talked about this, but but I do see this pattern between Goddess and the Seamurg and Victoria, where they have um basically a, a psychic power, like a like a mental power. Um Victoria's can also now be compared very closely with Heartbreakers, actually. Sure, if sure. we're, if we're comparing people's powers yeah, and, and, and trying to find nefarious connotations, she so now has something not, not nearly as strong, but very similar to what, what heartbreaker can do. And, um, of course, telekinesis is the other standout thing that goddess and Sumer can do and having a force field that you can separate from your body and then just kind mm-hmm. of launch to do things for you is basically telekinesis, in fact, this is a very flexible and powerful form of telekinesis that Victoria has now, yeah so her her powers have just gotten that much closer to being uh you know to being similar to both goddess and the Seamurg. i think I think on the show we pointed out the similarities before, uh, but it just seems to be even more so now
1: yeah I mean I think the the text is is wanting to draw those Seamurg parallels for sure like i think they're two. like just just the idea that like they meet on the battlefield like the the ceiling drops out and the seamerg is there and the first thing that happens the seamerg screams out psychological warfare and victoria's response is to do the same thing yeah Uh, like just to reverse it on her like we are being made to connect these dots and like yeah i mean you can you can be as pessimistic as we want to be with. This is like, uh Oh, like anytime we're drawing connection between characters and we're drawing these Victoria connections to some of the the worst, scariest characters, it's like, Oh fuck. But you could also just be like, Hey, this is like the good version of all this stuff. But I I, I do think it is interesting. The ways in which we see Victoria's aura usage, like from this moment on, just like ramp up considerably. Like, Like there was a while there where she just wasn't using it like at all. Like she just didn't use it for the longest time. You I mean, remember how annoyed we were <laughs> at like, at like, th- like how did her aura change? What does it mean? And it's just like chapter after chapter, it's not being used. And then all of a sudden, like here in these two chapters, it's like, bam, 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 bam. Like she just constantly. And it's not just because she's fighting enemies that it works against. Um, because she's not, all, cause she's not just using it on her enemies. She's right. using it on her team as well. Yeah. Um, and it's because she's un- unlocked this way to channel certain emotions through it, um, and and then it's just like I'm just using it, like just using it.
0: Yeah, um, um, I mean, I definitely do want to read a little bit of. I mean, I'm a bit skeptical of of the way she uses it on her own team, to be honest. That 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 makes me concerned. Um, it, yeah. it 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 absolutely does. It it reminds me of things that we're supposed to find to be negative, like heartbreak. Uh, Heartbreaker is a huge kind of figure lurking in the background of the story. And now she's using it to sort of push people around, um, yeah, yeah, in a way that reminds me of him, and it's worrying to me. So,
1: I agree. I'm a little worried. Um, I mean, there's. I think that the cool thing about it is it sets up situations where you're like, you like the first time she uses it, the fuck you, Aura. You're just like, you're on board, right? Yeah. And then the encouragement, Aura. You're like, yeah. And then it just like, especially in the next chapter, it just keeps going to a place where you're like. <laughs> yeah. Like with each more use you're like, oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah, I want that, um,
0: that particular one there. Yeah. 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 Um well anyway, it was really awesome when Svetta and blocker teamed up though. That was totally sweet.
1: Yeah, I that's it's really cool. Like this basic like cat catch her in a tentacle web thing is really, really awesome. I do like I wonder how much it messed up Sveta though like like to go back to our reading between the words thing Uh like she basically has to unfold her entire body like she unfolds her middle section to create a hole so rubble like doesn't pierce her it just goes through her and then like crackens onto the Seamurg and she's here in this place with rubble falling down around her latching onto a foe and and freezing them in place like that's just so very close (laughs) to the last time she was here fighting trying to invade this place and i can't help but read into that
0: it even kind of reminds me of when she killed dr mother although yeah yeah i mean like totally different but totally different but also not (laughs) yeah yeah exactly (laughs) yeah right um so yeah uh i mean i would love to that's yet another moment where i would love to just fist bump and move on um Mm -hmm. but i'm like i don't know um yeah So anyway, uh, this kind of feels like a victory, or at least it does, until you write a 20-page script about the chapters. (laughs) Um, And then they chase the Seamurg off, and then Dragon returns, and Victoria is ordered upstairs to find Dinah.
1: Which is uh, exciting, at least for me it was, because I've been curious about Dinah for a while now, Mm -hmm. and the story has told us we're going to maybe get there eventually and get some answers, so I'm... I'm really excited about that. But first we got to go to the lab for operation
0: genocide, operation genocide, like, like legit genocide (laughs) operation code name genocide, which is (laughs) actually something else completely. Um, (laughs) yeah. Uh, and the chapter ends with her thinking to herself as it began younger me. So it continues a cut on the head, a weird feeling of pride and a twisted and a bit of twisted hope. Um, yeah. So another beat of her talking to her younger self, which has been a persistent thing throughout this arc.
1: Yeah. Yeah. To the point where, like, you start to wonder, we start to do that Seamurg thing, right? Or like, is this what the Seamurg wants you to do? Like, we didn't mention it, but the cut on her forehead is caused by um, when uh, Clockblocker's power wears off there's like a bunch of debris that gets flung out as the seamer gets loose again and the only thing that hits victoria is just one little tiny bit of debris that just cuts her forehead open a little bit um and then at the end of this chapter she references back to a, a moment actually i had to do some digging and and thank you kaiken again for finding the exact spot for me because i remembered this happening but could never have found it back in all the way in arc one chapter six There's a moment where Victoria, I think she's getting hit with a a snag emotion whammy. And she's thinking about um, a memory of like one of the first times she went out as a superhero and like got a cut on her head and her mom was stitching it up. And her mom was like so super proud of her. She's proud of herself. Her mom's proud of her. It's like the first superhero injury. So it's like all the way back to the very beginning of her journey. Um, And this cut on her forehead makes her recall that a weird feeling of pride and a bit of twisted hope and it's one of those it's one of those like like pool type things where like balls like the cue ball striking and like the Mm -hmm. chain the ripple chain of events you can you can definitely see some seamurginess in it um and it i like i it's a really cool callback i like it like it 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 is very much doing work to make this whole feel thing feel like everything's coming full circle, but it also scares the bejesus out of me.
0: Yeah. Um, I, uh, I think that's a great pull. I, I didn't actually make that connection because I forgot about the injury being to her forehead specifically. Um, I mean, she does sort of make this connection for us, but like yeah, pointing out that, yeah, it goes back to this moment with her mom. That's, <sighs> it's good to think about and it's it's it makes me worried so
1: yeah i mean like like we said the the chapter the arc started with this moment of her talking to her younger self um and we went through that in chapter one and now here in chapter three we brought that back so that is going to be a recurring beat and so i think we need to pay extra special attention to whenever those moments happen um because they're they're doing something
0: yeah i think so all right moving on into 20.4 and uh, the battlefield continues to be a special kind of hell. Um, and very quickly in this in this chapter, we get from Sveta, if anything's making me feel like I'm going crazy, Sveta remarked, it's you, Victoria. <laughs> yeah. Which is especially a slap in the face, I think, if you read the first chapter without thinking too hard about it and just took it at face value because you're like, what?
1: Right. Right. And I think that's, to me, that feels like what it's designed. Like, if you look at the last chapter, Victoria would be like, that was fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> like, we beat back the Seamurg. We did exactly what we had to do there. Like she's saying all throughout the early part of that chapter, all we have to do is just beat her back, delay her, force her. So she has to back off instead of going for her next thing. Things are going fucking great. I resisted it. We're beating it back. I'm feeling good. I'm a seven on the, the seven out of 10. Everything's going great. None of my people got that hurt. Um, It's all going good. And then Sveta's like, actually, you are making me feel like I'm going more crazy than the CMERG is making me feel, which is like, what? <laughs> uh-huh. And I think that's why, like, a lot of this, these opinions and what we're talking about on how we felt about 12.3, are, or 20.3, rather, are are when we went back and read it after the bomb that was this chapter was dropped on us, when... The, the chapter does work to kind of recontextualize a lot of what that was
0: i think you're right i'm gonna be honest i think uh like emotionally speaking one of the more important things that happened this week was somebody put out this really great piece of fan art depicting the a scene from the end of this chapter where you basically got chris and byron and victoria and victoria is like she looks like a like a B- bloody, deranged, ragged, crazy person. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you and, and I'm like, oh, she looks like this. This is exactly like her costume's all torn up. She's bleeding everywhere. She's bleeding so much. Yeah, she's bleeding so much. And um, and I was just like, okay, now if if I picture that person doing all of these things, it's a bit different, actually. Yeah, yeah. So, um. And- yeah.
1: And so we see here at the after Savetta kind of like confronts her, she asks one to ten again and Victoria says eight. <laughs> Byron's like, that's worrying. Eight is good. I feel OK. Better than OK. Didn't you say six earlier? Which is lovely because th- this is doing double duty, right? Because. Yeah. Not only do we get this little hint that something weird is going on here because, no, she did not say six earlier. She said seven. But also. Like the whole thing with the Seemerg is the longer you're exposed to her, the better she gets at fucking your world up. Yeah. And now at the end of this big encounter, Victoria is like, "I'm doing better than I did last time," uh-huh. and that's just like, "Oh, oh no." <laughs> uh huh.
0: I mean, you have to wonder what color she is right now on the yeah. little defiance scanner.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that's it's fascinating. Like, I it it's so like it's so troubling. Like, I don't know. I mean, like, I think the text introduces this idea of like, there's mul- multiple levels on which you can be operating, right? Like a little bit later, it's like, well, like in some regards I'm a 10, but in other regards I'm like a four. Right. And like, obviously like this whole scale is a simplified, like just quick, how are you doing thing? It's like oversimplified and and not perfect, but Still, like, I, I completely understand her team hearing eight and being like, what?
0: <laughs> yeah, totally.
1: And that's and that's all that it needs to do. Right. It's not necessarily like uh, eventually Wildbo is going to reveal what's going on here, like it's going to reveal if if this was a get Victoria overconfident plot or not. Right. But, but but all we need to know in the moment is we need to understand why her team would be feeling this way. And I think this achieves that
0: I think it does yeah Um. for a while I was doing one of those apps where you like track your different emotional states with different numbers oh and it was super depressing because you're just always conscious of the fact that you're like mildly dissatisfied with everything all the time and I eventually stopped using it because I was like I don't like to be reminded that I could be doing better I'm doing <laughs> fine get get rid of these fucking numbers and <laughs> and then I was happy again yeah. the end um, yes I love all of this and uh this is a great time for uh, a horror thing to happen again (laughs) which is uh blood play (laughs) emerges in the darkness super creepily and attacks um but victoria is of course super effective with her new invisible ultra strong force field which he just kind of like launches at her to grab her Uh um of course uh this deranged cape can actually shrink and uses this ability to uh, fly around and laser Byron's wrist and Victoria's neck um, before she can eventually be recaptured. At which point, Victoria uses some like aura magic on her to first tr- try out like a wake up uh, pulse and a breakthrough pulse, um, which sort of work, I guess.
1: Yeah, sort of, sort of. Yeah, this is this character, Matt. Holy Uh shit. It's like, what if Ant-Man, but Ant-Man, but like scary lasers that hurt all my best friends. Uh Um, And of course, Bloodplay is screaming the entire time. Lots and lots of screaming. Surprisingly
0: loud screaming. Yeah.
1: If there's a motif that extends throughout this arc, it's just screams. Yes. Um, But I I love, I love how, how the text is written when she uses her aura here. She says, I could choose what emotions I put out there now, but it wasn't as simple as choosing from a tidy little list, just the opposite. I dug into memories and the rawest, deepest feelings I had. A moment of clarity midway through therapy at the hospital. Moments, my thoughts wandering at night, where I jolted awake with a realization. The feeling after I'd smeared my mother against a wall and realizing it was my fault. Each of those memories was like an exposed nerve, and the screaming in my head was salt on those nerves. I wanted to wake up, but the feelings I dug into into as I broadcasted weren't quite that. Um so yeah, she like taps into like very emotional tough memories of hers um and then of course the Seamurg screams are salt on those nerves, which is just scary. But it's not working, right? Like she, she gives she, I I appreciate that she gives everyone a heads up before she uses this. She says like warning everyone, "Aura, I'm going to be doing this." Um and it doesn't work like it works in that it gets the it gets blood play to pause long enough to like be taken down. But I don't think she achieves the, the feelings she was going for.
0: Yeah. And now that we're being all paranoid, I can't help but read it as as OK, the Simerg basically orchestrated a situation where she can blast her whole team with the rawest deepest feelings deepest feelings she has yeah, yeah um in a moment where they're already vulnerable um that can't be good for their states of mind
1: no like i mean like it, it's nice that she warned them before it happens so they don't realize it's coming out of anywhere or out of nowhere but like if i warn you before i throw a a baseball at your face like <laughs> you're still going to get hurt in the face when the baseball hits you
0: it's true yes <laughs> like like good point
1: so <laughs> I like I appreciate the warning, but also this hurts me.
0: Yeah. Yep. Um I, not not great. Yeah. So the team uh quickly runs into the Heartbroken or a couple of Heartbroken plus uh Mapwright, who gives everyone the power of maps.
1: Yay. Um
0: and Chastity and Rain flirt a little bit.
1: Yeah, they flirt over Rain being ignorant as to what blood play means. hmm Um and y- you know what, folks. No shaming here or anything, but I think we're just going to elect to continue to let everyone else be ignorant as to what blood play means.
0: <laughs> yep, and, and we and we move on. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, at this point, you know, everybody's very suspicious of Vicky. This is where she says she's an eight. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, Sveta just like absolutely freaks the fuck out here, right? Like she can't keep up. She doesn't understand what's happening. She's just seeing Victoria change rapidly and rapidly. And and it's perfect here. Your powers changed again. Your force field held your gun when you were nowhere near it. You just did something else. Your aura and then rain helps, uh, helps <laughs> interpret flavors of rah, rah and fuck off in the fight earlier Then just now. It was a big slap in the face of holy shit, which is kind of like, it's kind of like what? wake up. Not, not quite.
0: Yeah. It could, it could, you could say it matches in terms of like, um, Holy shit. I, I I just did that or just, right. But I mean, again, a feeling that nobody appreciates having, I guess.
1: No, certainly not. Um, Um, and this is the part where they finally drop master stranger protocols on her because it's honestly the only way to make her listen. (laughs) Yeah. And it works because Victoria is very, as a very, not, I don't want to say she's very by the book, Cape, but she is a, a cape that, respects the concept of master stranger protocols a lot.
0: Yeah. I mean, what's interesting is this power she has is a master power. Sure. Um, I mean, the aura always was a very weak, like very narrow and and sort of um, on the scale of peri powers, easy to, to get around master power, but this is like a real master power. This, this is a, you know, if she, if she practices with it, yeah. it could be a, it could be a dangerous weapon. Yeah. um, And so her- yeah.
1: To her credit, she says the protocols overrode any sentiment or logic. And that was how they worked. And she actually listens here. She does yeah. listen, um, which is good. But she's also like bleeding profusely. And like, I don't know, like, I think it hurts a little bit, but she doesn't seem as focused on the pain. Like she I love the moment where she realizes it because she's like, oh, I'm wet. Oh, that's right. a shit ton of blood.
0: It's like going down her back and instead yeah. and, and, and like. And, and, you know, later Riley is like, you're bleeding like a lot. And that's, you know, it's bone saw saying that. So,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, like, Uh. like we see the wound on, on Byron is bleeding so profusely that like first Sveta wraps around it to, to give enough pressure. And she's like squeezing really hard to get enough pressure. And it's like bubbling up between the tendrils at first until she increases the pressure. So like, I know it's not the exact same wound, but with a character like blood play, um, their weapon causes a lot of bleeding, and right. she's not as concerned about it. She's just like, "Uh, I have no idea how bad it is." Yeah. But let's, but let's this move on all this all feels like Seamurg was scoring a win, and she hates that. She hates mm-hmm. the idea that like they just scored their own win, and now suddenly it feels like this is Seamurg winning, and I'm not happy with it. Like even even my teammate calling Master Stranger protocols on me feels like Seamurg is scoring a win there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's, that's a good point. So um, apparently we learned that all of the captives are being dragged over to the Mathers giant so that she can keep them incapacitated. And there's a lot of like kind of tactical back and forth in terms of who goes where. But basically the upshot is that Victoria is sent to go with Chris and Byron because um, uh, Byron and Victoria need medical care. <laughs> and uh, Byron is in charge because Chris is Chris and uh, because Victoria is doing too well. Yeah, yeah. And, um, as they, as they leave, as they have this conversation, I love the, the little details like Chris here misremembering and saying that Victoria said she was a nine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's really great. It's really great. Um, I, I like Sveta's, you will fucking go get medical care Victoria. You're bleeding like shit. Sveta said with uncharacteristic harshness. <laughs> it's perfect. I love yeah. it so much.
0: Yeah. That, that's like one of my favorite, that's one of my favorite moments in the chapter actually, just how, how unsveta that is, but how, yeah. Like not in a way where it like breaks you out of the frame. You're just like, wow, like she's doing really awfully right now.
1: Yeah, it's not. It's not like, oh, this is out of character and unrealistic. It's like, holy shit, this is how bad off. This is how frustrated and scared Sveta is that it, she's driven to this uncharacteristic moment. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so the Chris moment of him remiss remembering Victoria as a nine. And I think the clever thing is here because it's Chris and Byron that both mis misremember in different directions. I think we can't just wave it away as um, a character just forgot, like they just forgot how she was doing. Like, I think that starts to point more specifically to a specific kind of Seymour screwiness. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like, that's a good way of, of making that clear. Like if it had been Byron both times or Chris both times, you could be like, oh, well something's going on with him specifically, but because it's two different characters now we're like, oh, this is some larger thing going on here. Yeah, for sure. I think it is also funny that Chris is calling her out on having too high of a number When he was asked the first time, he's like, oh, yeah, like an eight or a nine. I'm great. And even if I wasn't great, I have my bird form that makes me immune to this shit. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I don't know if we pulled it out later, but the moment later on where where she's like, Chris, like you you always say we're not paranoid enough. But then we're we're like rightly paranoid about something you're doing. You get all pissy. Yeah. Um, That's like a perfect example of that, actually
1: yeah 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 um i I do want to before we move on for this moment i want to talk about where they're taking blood play away and they can't carry all these people so they victoria like tries to get her on their side by using an acceptance aura on her Mm -hmm. and it doesn't work doesn't work at all and she needs chastity to come like like finger slap her (laughs) Uh (laughs) to knock her out um I, i like this because like if you like a like a really metaphorical interpretation of this is that you can't you can't make someone feel acceptance, right? Like even if you have powers, you can't make someone get to a point of acceptance. They have to get there by themselves. So of course the acceptance aura does not work the way you want it to. Right.
0: Yeah. That's just an emotion. That's not a, any kind of real resolution of the things that are happening inside you. So, right. Right. Um, I mean, in fact, if that did work, then her, then my, like my estimation of her power would be way higher. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you're right.
1: You're right. Um, and then there's this beat when they're kind of heading up the stairs and they bump into a guy who's sitting on the stairs. He's sitting down, he's covering his ears and rocking back and forth. And I like this This occurs right after Victoria notices that the scream is less loud and less noticeable here. And she makes like she her the assumption she makes is, Oh, the seamer is just further away from me now. So it's not hurting as much, uh-huh. but like this guy ha- is like rocking back and forth and has his ears covered. And I don't know. Like, I don't want to read too much into this, I, but it's been established that the longer the Merg works on you, the I, less noticeable the scream is.
0: I don't like where you're going with this, Scott. <laughs> I don't like this. You're gonna you're gonna have to back up because I know where you're going with this. Okay. I know, well, I know the direction you're going. I don't like it.
1: <laughs> I'll stop then. I'll stop.
0: Yeah. I mean, until it comes up again, and then sure. definitely talk about it more. Sure. Um, but
1: but Victoria yeah. uses her aura on this guy. Again, right? This is another instance of her using her aura to attempt to soothe this guy, which I think is a, a, go- a nice usage um, in that, like, she's trying to calm this guy down. She's trying to soothe this guy. He's obviously going through a rough time, and she's trying to make it better. That's very nice. But I don't know. Like, it's it's just a trend of increased aura usage. Mm -hmm. And I like this, this line was really, it stuck out to me in a way. I was glad that I could the process of connecting to the fragile one and her origins, realizing she wasn't the enemy and letting her connect to me. It had opened doors for both the shaping of my force field and for my emotional control. It felt right that the emotional control was letting me help and soothe now. Um, Like, again, I don't want to be negative, Matt. I don't want to be, but like, we we get the the open doors imagery is back here again, um, like, like connecting to her and letting her connect to me. It felt right now. It felt right in this moment that I was getting to do this. Um, uh, the, great. I'm happy for you. I'm so happy, but also I'm scared.
0: Yeah, yeah. Me too. Perfectly balanced yin yang of being terrified for her yeah. right now. Yeah, and super enthusiastic mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: I, I that's the thing is I love it, but. I'm, I'm 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 so I'm so scared.
0: Oh, um, uh, this is one of the. I mean, you know, there's there's always an ebb and flow to like the tension and anxiety in yeah. in, in this story. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm looking forward to next week's chapter. Of course, of course I am. <laughs> but then there's weeks where I'm like, I would kill someone to see <laughs> the next chapter. I, I I need to know where this is going. Sure. So sure. that's kind of closer to where I am right now.
1: Uh, so what do you think about this moment where? she seems to be doing worse generally though like outside of everything else the worries we've had like she's looking for the the first aid kit and the red and white color scheme the 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 cross or the the red swiss cross, cross right? swiss cross yeah um like like makes her think of amy and and the thought is she's out there, you know, she's on edge. And that's just the seamer specifically. Like it was like a whisper formed out of environment, paralleling my thoughts, except there was no environment to it. An idea running through my head. Like I'd formed the thought, but like a teleporter arriving at a location, the process of getting from a to B wasn't apparent, only inferred. My thoughts felt like that. The fact that the journey could be made made sense. It was just too fast, too disconnected to feel natural. So like, that's her at least recognizing that the thoughts invading her mind right now, are not necessarily coming from her but they're working.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean that's it's a bad sign because it in doesn't it sort of hint that the humor has gotten deeper into her mind if it can just make thoughts pop into her stream of consciousness instead of having to like sort like, of like manipulate using- her auditory centers and the environment and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I think so. Yeah, I mean people in the in the discord they were reminding me of of Cody being like he felt like he could hear the sea merg screaming had it always been there, had it ever stopped. <laughs> yeah. And oh my God. just like, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think that absolutely is. I think you're right. It shows like a maybe a deeper level of, of uh, effect is going on here.
0: Yeah. Uh, so then Bonesaw skypes in and is able to help them with their medical care, which is just super swell of her. Chris offers them some like some like co- co- coagulant cream which Victoria hesitates to take briefly prompting Chris to throw a tantrum and storm off.
1: Yeah, but like I don't think it's that she hesitates to take it. I think it like Chris's plan here is just that he grabs it and then like walks over to her to just put it on her. Yeah. <laughs> and true. Victoria's like, "Oh, wait wait, 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 hold on there," which is like you know, you don't do that to Victoria, especially if you're Chris. Yeah. Um, but he is really agitated and super annoyed and he like slams the cream down on the floor and go walks off to sit back at the computer again. Um, I, like, again, this is really it's really great to kind of try to infer what's going on in Chris's mind here. Like uh, this goes back to the quote that you mentioned earlier. You talk about the importance of being wary. But the moment we wary around you for good reason, you get pissy. And that's because, like, of course, that is like he he's putting up this this don't trust anyone anyone front but I think he wants people to like he wants to be trusted he wants to know that people trust him and like him it's this like it's this like almost contradiction that he lives in constantly
0: and we pull out the quote and we'll probably talk about it later but I think it's this huge moment when she leaves him and she says trusting you it's like a huge moment right yeah like like that she would say this to him
1: yeah, I, 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 can't. Yeah, that yeah, we'll, it we'll might. That, that might be the most important thing she's ever said to Chris. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But wh- so, what did you think about like, Bonesaw shows up here, and she's like, the extremely cheery, like almost worm version of Bonesaw uh-huh. that was kind of off putting to me. I mean, maybe it's just that I think the text says something like she's really cheery compared to. Byron, who is in a really bad place right now. So maybe it's just the the, the comparison that makes her seem like, but like, I don't know, it, it very much channeled like Worm Riley to me. And I was like, oh, that made me even more sad. It, it
0: is bad. I mean, I see it as I see I see the bone saw traits as being kind of a response to fear and paranoia and mm, mm. self-protectiveness, which is I think if she knows that like this horrible thing is about to happen one way or another and she's going to be sucked into all this for good or ill it's making her afraid and this is her way of dealing with that. That's yeah. Yeah. That's my model of, of her.
1: Yeah. I think, I think that seems reasonable to me. Um, I, uh, it's still, still sad. It yeah. Is. I mean like, I think, I think we have to go back to the line. of was like, you're, I, I forget exactly what it was, but it's like, I don't do those. I don't do that, do that kind of thing anymore. And yet yeah, Victoria is here asking her to do that exact thing. Yeah. Um, maybe. I don't know what it is.
0: <laughs> yep. Uh, but Bonesaw's idea is to use Rottenfanger's music-based fuckery as part of her attack somehow.
1: Why do these books always end with someone singing and that singing doing things?
0: Well, sound <laughs> is a good motif, I guess.
1: <laughs> I'm just joking. I I do think it is funny that like Canary was pretty pivotal to the end of Worm, and yeah. maybe this music-based stuff is going to be pretty pivotal to the end of this.
0: Except like the opposite of Canary, like some horrible yeah. sound yeah. that. Kills people. <laughs> oh God. Okay. It's, it's
1: it's definitely not gonna be that, right? Uh, yeah.
0: Right? <laughs> um,
1: what was that
0: noise? Uh, that was me simultaneously agreeing and disagreeing, which is kind of the reaction that I have to like everything in cool. this chapter. So, <laughs> um, so uh, she talks to Victoria, talks to Byron, and he says that he is at a two. which is just about as bad as you can get. And it's because he keeps thinking that Tristan is back. He keeps like seeing motes of light or hearing things and thinking that it's Tristan and you're just like, ah, this sucks.
1: Yeah. Like every time his vision wavers or like anything happens, it's like, oh, Tristan's back. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's yeah, it's really awful. Uh, This, this quote Vicky gives to him, I think every single one of us feels like we're getting special attention. That's really perfect because that like, That's what the Seamer does, right? Like, it it has the ability, it has the capability of doing that, of making it feel like you are specifically being singled out to be fucked with. And the reality is, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Like, the Seamer can set up dominoes in that way where it can can ping off of every single person in this group and fuck them up specifically in the worst possible way.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean... I wonder if the direction we're going with this is, like, Breakthrough just goes, like, red. Like, like I mean, because cause the Travelers were, were red. Like, there's mm-hmm. no other way to look at it, right? The Travelers were fully controlled uh, Sumer bombs. But, like, they didn't turn into, like, echidna clone levels of being monstrously evil. They just operated along the parabolic arc that she set out for them. Sure, sure. Um, and so, I mean it will it will be interesting to see how they would respond to that situation.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true.
0: Like to learning that, you know, cuz cuz they got through the whole um alignment fiasco successfully. Status, yeah. So um there there's clearly like some capacity in their team for dealing with these these sorts of situations. Um so uh, it's just a fun thought anyway. So.
1: Yeah, and I mean like Byron is back too. Byron is putting like There is a lot of echoing between the goddess arc here, right? Like Mm -hmm. Byron was the only one that sniffed this stuff out and he was put in charge because of it. Now Byron is put in charge here, but he's not doing as well this time because there's no Tristan around.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's no magic chocolate with with drugs in it either.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. No, no anti-seameric chocolate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so ultimately Chris detects that the Mathers giant has gone dark and he, he wants to go check on her, but (laughs) Victoria, worst
1: possible thing that could happen.
0: (laughs) It's, it's literally, yeah, pretty much literally the worst. Yeah. 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 Um, Victoria insists that he that he stay and work on this, uh, even using her aura to push him to do so.
1: Yeah. And I think this is to me, and and, uh, we, there's still got many more chapters in this arc, Presumably. But to me, this is like this feels like the moment we've been building to with this aura usage, right? Like we started off with these triumphant moments of like use of usage and desperation. And Victoria has slowly kind of ramped up how often she's using it. And it's usually been to help her teammate, to help soothe them, to help um, make them feel better, to give them courage and strength. And here it is a moment of feral panic, the kind that made someone freeze instead of flying. Um, which has connotation there, right? Like, like instead of flying. So like you're torn between, Oh, that's good. He's not going to fly because, Uh because, but she uses this. She just lashes out with this, like almost mastering level aura usage, right? Like she is getting him to do the thing that she wants to do through the use of her aura. Um, yeah. And it's, as, as we've said many times, it's, it's troubling.
0: It's, I mean, it's, it's all been, um, th- there've been moments throughout the chapter where you're like, yeah, that's a, that's a good, that's a good idea. And then mm-hmm. there've been moments where you're like, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, you're learning, you're, you're still getting the hang of it, yeah. but this is just, this is, I mean, what's the difference between this and if she had just like physically intimidated him and slapped him and been like stay in the fucking chair, Chris, Yeah. Yeah. like, like you're like fundamentally, what's the difference? Like, I don't think there is, it's, it's a, it's an attack. It's a, it's a way of s- scaring him into submission yeah yeah um, and
1: and yeah. it works right
0: it works but i wonder like i mean i mean i th- i suspect this is like exactly the thing the seameric wanted her to do to, to like push him
1: that's my fear too yeah. yeah like that all this this overconfidence this use of the aura like all this has been building to this moment where he resists and she pushes him like this um and look on the optimistic side of thing maybe this is what pushes him to not turn into not fly away but i i don't know if don't i'm know. not optimistic
0: right I'm, now. I'm not i'm not very optimistic um i will say that i mean sh- she's the one to recommend that he use his anti-semerg bird form yeah <laughs> um which was surprising to me cuz i thought i i f- like even from the way the semerg sort of phrased that i i was like yeah it, this is a this is a thing that occurs to him and it's like victoria if anything has been like hey you got that bird form right mm-hmm. use the bird form yeah and he and and, Do that. and and now and now she as she leaves she says trusting you and then he just says yeah and you're like okay <laughs> Well, what do I do with that now that I'm so, so freaking paranoid?
1: Right. Like it's, 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 I'm torn on it because I'm with you that like Victoria suggesting this bird form, it seems to me like we're getting to the point where it's no longer an option of, is this going to go the way Seamrick said it was going to go? It seems to me that it's just like with Contessa, just like with the judo, that everything's going to go exactly the way that Seamrick said it was going to go. And the important parts are going to come after that. The important parts are going to come after that thing. And I don't know what to do with that because at the same time, you were absolutely right that trusting you, I told him, yeah, he said his voice, reedy, thin. Um, this could be, as we said before, the most important thing she's ever said to him. Bar none. Like, like that she's willing to extend this trust to him in this moment could be so important, but it could be too little too late. It could be, um, like it could be that his voice is thin because he's already made up his mind this thought has already popped into his head combined with her aura combined with um shooting up with the bird form it, it could be him going forward with exactly what he was supposed to do i i don't i don't know and i i love that we don't know like i i i think it's this is a cool like end of the chapter to be at because like we're right here we're right like every chapter i felt like we're we're bumping right up to the moment where i think okay this is going to be the chapter where i'm <laughs> going to find out what happens to chris and then every like something else happens and it keeps go a little further but i, I really think right now <laughs> the next chapter is going to be the chapter where we find out what happens
0: uh, with chris well what's what's funny is it's all gone according to her plan for the last four right. chapters and yet i'm still on the edge of my seat sure sure <laughs> um sure. And even if it continues to do so, like the the way in which things are evolving is is so dramatic, and interesting, and I mean fun in a kind of dark, fucked up way that I wouldn't mind even if it did just go. I mean, I don't. I don't uh, it's funny to say like we're so close. I feel like we're so close to the end, and I have no real idea of the direction this is going to end in. And I think that's yeah. amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like. If you want an eight dimensional chess (laughs) it, the seamer going to the Mathers giant, knowing it would piss Chris off to to get Chris to pull away from what he's doing and go like could be her plan. And maybe Victoria just countered that plan by making him stay and do the thing while she's going to go deal with it. Yeah, maybe or maybe maybe staying and leaving him alone and her going to deal with it was part of the plan all along. And when she comes back, he's going to be gone. And Riley's going to be like, I don't know. He took off. What do we do now? I, yeah. I, I don't I don't know.
0: I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of want to find out like, you know, soon, but I now I don't know. right now, like right now, like, yeah. yeah, like, let's just wrap this up. Oh, no <laughs> Just kidding. Um, yeah. So as we wrap up this chapter, uh, Victoria does find the Mathers giant and the Seamurg was there silent, not screaming, wings and arms wrapped around the giant.
1: Yeah. So is she not screaming because she's actually not screaming, or is she not screaming because Victoria just can't hear the screams? <laughs>
0: anymore? I mean, I'm afraid that it's like possibly even worse than that because the Mathers Giant is the Mathers Giant. Yeah. Meaning oh God, that that's like true. the most like her her psychic powers make the Seamurg psychic powers look like child's play. Like she can just put shit in your in your head directly. So um, and and we know the Seamurg can sort of borrow thinker powers. So I mean is bad, bad, it's, bad. It's, so. It's,
1: it's so it's real bad
0: yeah and that's uh, the end of that chapter thanks it's, for
1: it's really real good pep talk there matt i'm feeling pretty good about yeah. the world right glad, now
0: glad we talked all this out and yeah. um uh yeah okay good <laughs> um so the the discussion question from last week was what character resolution are you most excited to see what this- ending do you think would fit for them
1: this is a great thing to pivot to because we're so optimistic about the ending now,
0: huh? <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, all right. First from Sarah Penguin. They say, uh, while Parian made great progress on being more assertive in Worm, she still has a long way to go in her character arc. Her biggest issue is her unwillingness to be vulnerable. When she started dating Foil, it was with Foil as her right hand. Her time at Mistreats and Power Perversion tells her that she is also... Uh, she is also in control in other ways. She kept her powers true use from foil, leading to a rift between them. Uh, when, if she had been open, they would have, they would be better. And if she covers every inch of, um, and she also covers every inch of her skin with costume, representing her wanting to hide herself. While Parian claims she is with the undersiders uh, for her family, that no longer feels true. The worm epilogue made the problem seem to be a lack of surgeons, not a lack of money. Clearly, Trophy Wife needs to stop sealing their fingers. <laughs> <laughs> so either Parian wants to be a villain or she is afraid that if she stops, then the relationship dynamic will change and that scares her. Foyle clearly is not happy being an undersider and wants to go back to being a hero, but she needs to start communicating her needs. The best ending would be Parian opening up and Foyle communicating her needs. Then Parian goes rogue while Foyle joins a hero team and they are happy and communicative. If Parian do- does like being a villain then it might be better they break up and Parian gets herself a crime gal while Foyle switches to Rapier for a bat and joins Switch Hitter as an unstoppable batting <laughs> duo with benefits. While I think they're adorable and want them to work out, um, either option is preferable to uncertainty and lack of closure with the current situation.
1: Cool. So yeah, Foyle and Parian. I would agree with that. I'd like to see what's going to happen with them. Um, Me too.
0: I, I suspect. I suspect we'll get some kind of resolution.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know, Matt. The world's clearly going to end, and there's nothing anyone can do about it. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Up next, we have Dancing Anatolia, who says, Perhaps not a resolution, but I really want more -um Mockument. His power and snippet of backstory instantly captivated me, and I just want more. Primarily, was the jester dude in Arc 18 the original Mock coming out of hiding, or some sort of resurrection by ape -um Mockument using his power on himself again? I don't know, Dancing Anatolia, (laughs) and I'm with you. And oddly enough, -um Mockument uh stayed behind we were told in this week's chapters that he is not with the rest of um um death chester he's not there Um, yeah i don't know where he is maybe he just went nope pass
0: i mean i i I still enjoy the idea that that mockument is actually is actually a mockument a mockument mockument um and that the original mockument died um which may or may not be true but i love that idea as just a It's just great.
1: It's so fun, and as not to completely contradict dancing at Anatolia here, but I kind of, I love that that question is just in the air, Uh, and we might never know the answer to it. (laughs) I think that's really fun.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too. Nugget Blaster sixty nine says, "I'm really looking forward to seeing Contessa's resolution. I've always thought that she was one of the more tragic characters in Parahumans, albeit not an innocent one. She put everything she had into saving humanity, and succeeded. Since Taylor would have never defeated Sion without Doormaker and the Clairvoyant." But she had to do such horrible things to reach that outcome that, that she's left wondering whether the sacrifices she made and the sins she committed were worth it. So she tries to get out of the cape scene altogether, only to be forced back in by teacher. Ultimately, I hope that Rain's message and Taylor's final conversation with Contessa are able to get through to her and help her influence Titan Fortuna. But perhaps Fortuna has already taken over too much, and Contessa will be the one sorry, will be one of the most powerful beings in the world with no power over herself. I hope not. Yeah, that's one character where, I mean, one way, one way or another, we're going to get a resolution. Um,
1: D- isn't there like a call with Contessa that we're waiting on? I, I, I mean, seem to remember at the end of 20.2, she's like, okay, the call with uh, Riley is going to happen soon, but we got a call with Contessa that'll be happening soon.
0: I'm having to complete blank. I mean, I, I I feel like I know what you're talking about, but uh, yeah. it's not. It'll come to me in 10 minutes when the call's over so
1: sure of course of course uh up next we have seething who says they're, they're looking forward to chris's but they for this answer they choose narwhal and crystal clear i've had a back of the head niggling feeling narwhal would be one of the capes that goes titan or otherwise snap since we saw her point of view in an interlude so i was relieved to hear she's still in the game this chapter crystal clear is here again too no reason to think he's gonna factor in except maybe thematically because of his powers i just want to see him again because i like him yeah, I agree. Crystal, Crystal Clear is one of those super early interludes that we saw a lot of in the early story, and he's just kind of been chilling.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, definitely based on this interlude placement, I assumed he would be a bigger a bigger character. Um, mm-hmm. Not that I'm like disappointed that he hasn't been, but he's uh, I think uh, he,
1: he worked for the parts of the story he was in for sure. But then he just kind of faded to the background.
0: Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Uh, Average Gamer twenty nine hundred says, "I'm most looking forward to seeing Chris's arc. He is such a fascinating character. Throughout the book, we see him both develop and deteriorate over the course of the story. With uh, which is such an interesting element. As we see in the latest arc, Chris is a key in the story's finale, but because of the aforementioned development slash deterioration, it makes the story's finale up in the air. My opinion is that no matter what, whether he turns." Uh, he turncoats or fucks over Seamurg, he will win or at least he will get what he wants in some form or another.
1: Yeah, that I think that's a hundred percent true. Chris is going to get what he wants. The question is, will what he want be good for everybody yeah, else? I mean,
0: I, I have a tragic suspicion that what he wants may end up with him being like dead and sacrifice himself for his team. But
1: yeah, maybe. I mean, that's super optimistic, though, because that means like that's more optimistic than I was being where I would just like Chris gets what he wants. But what he wants is to fuck off and leave everyone to die. Hooray. He got what he wanted.
0: Uh, Oh, this is depressing.
1: All right. uh, X Das Niveau says, apart from the breakthrough members of the main story, I'd like to know what happens to the Titans at the end. They make my transhumanism sense tingle like the S9000 clones in Worm or Dragon and therefore are of special interest to me. Yeah, like that is true, because like, I mean, presumably whatever whatever solution here that saves the world is going to make those guys go away. Because I don't think, like, is the resolution of this thing going to be like, we did it. We stopped the end of the cycle. And also these giant super-powered capes are just walking around. yep
0: They're just, yep, just there. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's an interesting idea or or, or question, I guess. It's a question I didn't didn't really think about before. Yeah,
1: like the Ashen Titan that just, like, fucking (laughs) destroys everything she walks through. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, SNES C says, I'm going to pull a surprise entry here and say that I really hope that we see Ratcatcher again before the story ends. Of course, there's the question of why she keeps her face cover all the time. But beyond that, I want her to get a better place, get to a better place career and lifestyle wise. We last heard from Annalise that Foresight was going to give her another shot at joining since teacher had a hand in botching her initial application, though he didn't have high hopes. It'd be really cool if Victoria spotted Foresight at some point and noted that Ratcatcher was among their ranks with a new costume signifying that she passed the interview. Yeah, yeah that would be delightful.
1: We learned uh, this week that Ratcatcher is a very popular character amongst them. Sure. Not, not quite popular enough, but a uh, very popular character. Yeah, I think that's cool. I, I, I agree with Stess here. Seeing what Ratcatcher has gotten up to at the end of the story would be great. Yeah, I agree. Alright, next we have Sanity Planet, who says, I'm very curious about how the whole entity humanity conflict in general will be ultimately resolved, but I'm most interested in seeing the Fragile One character's resolution, specifically her relationship with Victoria. Both because their relationship is a metaphor for Victoria's path to recovery, and because I've become genuinely interested in Fragile One as her own character. Early in Ward, her shape was a physical reminder of Victoria's most traumatic days, and her lack of control and accidental violence was really just Glory Girl's flaws writ large. However, in line with Ward's theme of recovery, Fragile One and Victoria eventually come to terms and learn to work together. Most of this progress happens once Victoria accepts the parts of her past the Fragile One symbolizes and learns to see things from her perspective, as it were, when Victoria visits the Shard Realm. Um, yeah, I mean, th- this goes on a little bit more, but I-, I love that too. And I like, I totally agree with the idea of like Fragile One was this perfect metaphor. Like we said it, I think from the first arc when you and I realized what the wretch was and we were just like, Holy shit. And like, it's this perfect metaphor and I've loved it since that very first arc, but yeah, seeing it become a character, like it is a character in our character poll because fragile one is a character and fragile one, fragile one's relationship with Victoria is one of the most important relationships of the story. And that's why I want to be positive about the opening of doors and the connecting and the melding of them to like, I want to be positive about that, but I still can't get over my worry about some of it as well.
0: Yeah. The positive possibilities, right? Because, um, like she's the only shard who we can really say is even remotely good. And if we take that away and say, Nope, actually, Nope, Nope. She's actually, it's all bad. Yeah. Then that's, that's just kind of a downer. And I I don't, I don't want that to be true.
1: And and I don't think that's going to be true as much as like, the back of my mind is like oh open doors i'm worried about these open doors like i i i i absolutely think it is totally in line with what the story is doing to say victoria and fragile one have reached this have reached the symbiosis and that symbiosis is going to be key for the survival uh, at the end of this book whatever that means um that is undoubtedly going to be true and i don't think suddenly it's going to reverse everything and go haha actually that door opening spells your doom victoria <laughs> like it just doesn't just doesn't like gel um so i like cautiously optimistic but i I, to- I totally agree um overall with sanity planet's opinion here that like this relationship is going to be key to the resolution of victoria's arc 100 percent.
0: i agree uh rid tom um talks about two different characters who have kind of a toxic relationship with Victoria. Um, there's a mention of Amy, but actually he's going to talk about damsel and Chris Mm -hmm. Um, damsel, of course, uh, a clone of Victoria's best friend, um, or potential romantic interest, if you will, uh, (laughs) shares a lot of similarities with swan song, but is actually a horrible person. Um, they use secrets that only Ashley would know to hurt Victoria. They mock her for being a survivor and uh, they mock her for hurting innocent people. Um, Despite everyone being uh, sorry, despite everyone besides Kinsey wanting to abandon her, Victoria still latches on and risks her own life for Damsel, uh, which is a a noble goal. But how much of that is uh, is Victoria simply protecting Damsel as the sister to Swan Song and how much is Victoria's desire to keep an aspect of Ashley uh, around in the world? And then Chris, uh, much like Ashley, is also a horrible person who used his relationship to hurt Victoria, but in a more sinister way. Victoria was never shy about not getting along with Chris, but she openly cared about him. The fallen raid was her complimenting his actions and freaking out about him getting hurt. And the arcs after are all uh, her checking up on him out of concern concern for his living situation. Even after the reveal of his lab, lab rat lineage, it's Victoria who denies Feta and Tristan's claim of him being a monster, saying they don't know his side of the story yet. She's very much keeping her role as his guardian which makes it all the more poignant when Chris drops her in Amy's lap for use and gloats about it to her face. Victoria cannot understand why he would do such a thing, cannot fathom the justifications that he would twist to letting this happen to her because all she wanted was to keep him safe. ARCs 19 and 20 exemplify this as she faces him and gets, gets to experience more of his bizarre worldview in a non-aggressive setting, culminating in her not see, seeing him as a teammate anymore but trusting him as someone who's upfront about what they want even going so far as to give him the credit for part of her new plan to judo flip fortuna.
1: Huh, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, um good good complicated answer to the point where I actually have to like think about it now and can't just rattle off a a thought <laughs> in yeah, response. Um, I
1: I I like yeah, giving him the credit of the new judo flip. That that I I didn't catch on to that. I mean, we definitely noticed it, but I didn't really like let that sink in that Victoria giving him partial credit for that is, is important because like yeah. th- their, their relationship has just been so contentious throughout so much of this book. And, um, I think that was something we probably should have pulled out as like a, a symbol of her, not respect. Cause I don't know if she's ever going to respect him, but trust, I think trust is the right word there.
0: Yeah. Which I mean, we I see, love-
1: which we see pay off in this chapter.
0: Right. I love, I love the line being drawn between damsel and Chris though, in, in terms yeah. of these people who, who are, are people who she like really recognizes as being actually bad, but she can't. She, she has this soft spot for them for different reasons. Yeah, yeah. It's it's and, very poignant.
1: And like, I think we're definitely going to get a resolution with Chris. I think there is this damsel resolution, like, like drifting out there in the wind somewhere. Um, yeah, we, I think that we're not quite done with her yet either. So I think you're right. Yep. All right, we have Smutchlets. Probably said that wrong, who says, This might not necessarily be the resolution I'm most excited to see, but I'm curious to see where Scribe is at the end of the day. Compared to a lot of characters we have seen growing and overcoming their past, Scribe has barely started to scratch the surface. I don't think we'll see a true resolution to Scribe's character, but if the themes of the story taught me anything, we might see the inklings of a new beginning. Hell, we may even see the new beginning in an epilogue centering around different Brockton Bay capes' 18th birthday. Yeah, that would be cool. Given that she doesn't die, regress in behavior or the whole genocide thing doesn't muck this up. Yeah, that's a that's a big it's a big given. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I do. I I absolutely think like we've set up this 18th birthday, Missy's 18th birthday thing as this like pivotal after the world has not ended moment. And I, I think it would be very fitting and touching to have one of the epilogue moments be that. Um, so yeah, I agree. We'll see Scribe there. Yeah, uh, that know.
0: would be really nice. Yeah. Uh, Dianthus amarinsis uh, writes a very long, very good post about damsel, and the TL TLDR is damsel. I think Swan Song comes back in some capacity because I'm a broken-hearted shipper, and I think the simurgh will screw with damsel. Also, quote unquote Swan Song is another word for last, and I always deliberately misinterpret things in the way that most confirms that thing that I want to happen will happen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, like the arc title they're saying is literally going to be. The swan song arc. She's uh-huh. gonna come out of nowhere to save the day because it's the swan. So- it's arc twenty swan song.
0: That's that's great. <laughs> you know, it's funny as we were reading through these, I was trying to think of my answer and like, um, I mean, obviously, I agree with everyone's answers. I I am probably most curious to see any any given member of Breakthrough. I mean, literally all all of them. I want to see all of the Breakthrough member, sort of including damsel because yeah, she uh, swan song's resolution is sort of bound up in her, um. And and then I'm very curious about Brian because he's like fresh on my mind. And yeah, yeah. I'm also very curious to see like how Armstrong is, is gonna do, like in, in whatever the world looks like afterward. And then I also think it'll be fun to see how like Presley's doing just as an example of just like a normal average person and
1: I I, I totally agree. I think going back to Presley would be a great, a great, very interesting thing to do. Like yeah. she has been that normie perspective um for yeah. so long.
0: Yeah, Um, which you could also say Natalie, too. But but Presley's even more normal. She's not wrapped up in this. um, Natalie is
1: like Presley is wrapped up into it as just the outside fan perspective where Natalie has ingrained herself in the life, uh, even if Victoria still (laughs) refuses to let her on the team.
0: Yeah. Everyone every once in a while admits that she's on the team. Right. (laughs) Um, Okay. Next week's discussion question is, what was your favorite time that Wildo asked you to read between the words?
1: Yeah. Which you want to expand on that?
0: A bit. <laughs> um, so no, uh, no, no. So, so what I mean is um, uh, something complicated and subtextual that we were either intended to or able to figure out that. Um, was or was not, you know, ever made textual, mm-hmm. I, I think I'm, pre- I'm willing to be pretty open minded about the kinds of things people people re- reply to with, with this. But, the, you know, there's tons of great parts in, in all all of his stories, really, where. There's so much to be read into it that isn't surface level, even if you're enjoying the surface level of it, um, you can just go down a rabbit hole. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited about this question just because I expect to get like wildly different answers because it's so it's so open. Um, yeah, but I way. mean
1: that that's uh, to me that it's the most fun of the discussion questions is to be as vague as fucking possible and then watch as people interpret it yeah. <laughs> to to their own whims. I enjoy that 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 breeds discussion, which is the point of a discussion question. So, yeah, take that question and go crazy with it. I hope you enjoy it. Um, I I, I kind of want to answer this one, too, and I'm struggling to come up with an answer right now. So I'm going to need to think about this.
0: Yeah, I, I had an answer in mind when I came up with the question and then I forgot it. So um, that's sweet. Good. Sweet.
1: Yeah. All right. Um. You wanna talk about March Madness now? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's talk about round one of March's Madness. For those of you that somehow missed it, um, this is our sixty-four character Uh, tournament bracket based off of March Madness. I forgot this year to explain to people that this is based off of the NCAA College Basketball Tournament that happens every March. That's what this comes from, the bracket and everything I've created with this. That's what March Madness is. But March's Madness is our worm character matchups. And last week we had 32 matchups, our opening salvo. And first we're going to talk about some of the results of those, and then we're going to make our picks for round two, Matt.
0: All right, sounds good.
1: So overall... Um, things weren't too crazy round one all of our top four seeds in each bracket won, so we had no upsets in seeds one through four in each bracket those all won Um, we did have some very interesting matchups though that didn't go the way I thought Uh, I think the biggest one to me is Harbinger versus Crystal Harbinger five versus Crystal Um, now what would you have guessed Who, who would who would win that one in your mind
0: I mean just Crystal off the cuff I don't know
1: yeah, me too. Me too. Uh-huh. But Jeff, the nice number boy, took that one. Jeff wow. took it 52% to 48%. It was close. It was close. But Jeff took it. Um, some of the, We only got one comment for this one by, you are now breathing manually, which now I'm breathing manually. Thanks. Um, said, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they say, I'm at the point in my binge through where you are Byroning, are Byron chocolate in Crystal. I'm voting for her just in case it pays off. Uh, that was a good choice. Unfortunately, you are now breathing manually. Yep. You were in, yep. It, didn't, it didn't work out for you. You were I'm in
0: sorry. the 48%. Sorry.
1: Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Um, one of the other big ones is Candy versus Side Piece. And I actually listed Candy as a five seed. I think I listed some of the heartbreak, heartbroken a little too high, Matt, because I think most of them fared okay. I think they all won, actually. But it was a lot closer than I thought it would be. I didn't think Candy versus Side Piece would be quite this close. But it was 53 to 47. In Candy's favor.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's, I, I I guess I thought Candy would probably win. I'm, I am surprised that Side Piece got so close, though. Yeah, I mean, I guess these kind of uh, big, larger-than-life characters, pe- people like them. And I yeah, understand I mean, why. I absolutely I, do.
1: I understand why too. She's very fun. Uh we have have hero who says, "Hope you all haven't forgotten that time when Side Pete you want a piece of me' while literally eating pieces of herself." So, <laughs> that seems why Hero voted for them. I I understand it now. I get it. Uh-huh. But unfortunately, Side Pete lost.
0: So. Not happy about it, but I get it. Yeah.
1: Um now the most important match of the week, surprisingly, Love Lost versus Rat Catcher. Um
0: yeah so this one people got very excited about very excited um there was some there was some fan art about this matchup uh more than but, one piece of fan art i think yes. I think like three pieces of fan art potentially yep and uh actually maybe four um but uh yeah it's extremely close extremely close match
1: yeah unfortunately, for all the rat catcher fans out there, love lost took it fifty four to forty six percent of the vote um it was a good it was a good fight Ratcatcher but you you went down um and these comments are very good. We have we have Nocturne who I think was a uh, was like the like head of the campaign head of the the Ratcatcher <laughs> lobby who said, "Come on friends, this is the year of the rat. Let let her have a chance." Um and then we have Steve who says, "When the Jade Emperor challenged the animals to race to the heavenly gate, the first to arrive was was not the Strongest of animals, not the fastest of animals, not even the swift flying dragon, but the clever rat in dead last was pig <laughs> rat girl greater than cop girl.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. That's uh, amazing. <laughs> it's really
1: good. It's really good.
0: Oh, OK. And good. then
1: we have Eddie Axis who says who would let a puny rat with pu- who would let a puny rat with, with win for just I can't read this. Sorry. Who would let a puny rat win for ju- for the justice bringing love lost who fell so far in, in love with justice that she became the very thing she was trying to bring to justice. <laughs> I honestly don't know which way that person voted. But <laughs> it was great. It
0: was great. Uh, I'm going to go with love lost on that one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So another big ma- surprising matchup was Amy versus Dot. Matt Uh, I put dot as the seven seed because I Uh I figured the hatred of Amy would uh, knock her out in the first round Uh but uh, it didn't it didn't yeah I was surprised
0: yeah I'm uh, confused shocked surprised any of these words
1: you went for dot right
0: I went for dot yeah I mean Amy's a great character but like at this point at this point you can't vote for Amy
1: yeah but okay counterpoint Uh uh-huh Amy's a great character.
0: I mean, she's a totally great character. And that's actually how I did most of my voting was like, was not, do I like the, like, would I like to hang out with this person? But like, is this a great fictional character? But I mean, it's Amy, so...
1: Sure, sure. Uh, Bears will eat you voted for Amy and says Dot's great and now much more likable. But Amy is a fascinating is fascinating in an oh, God, I can't look away from the burning records sort of way. Ward wouldn't be what it is without her. So I've got to give her my vote. Well,
0: that's for sure. And yeah. she's going up against Imp in the next bracket. So um, yeah. I'm sure that she'll just do great.
1: I think you can be pretty confident in in. Yeah, no more Amy. <laughs> uh, I think you're right. Uh, another matchup that I think I thought was going to be closer was Gilpatrick versus Armstrong. This is like our battle uh, of of the Normie All-Stars here. Uh-huh. And uh, it was not as close as I thought it was going to be. Gilpatrick took it 61 to 39 percent. Sorry, Armstrong. Oh, I think that is what we call recency bias. Gilpatrick <laughs> just had a couple like I voted for Gilpatrick. And I'm admitting it's recency bias. <laughs> like, fair. Like I, uh, he just had his, his pair of interludes. They were great. I really liked him. Armstrong's interlude was a little bit, a little bit ago, and so it's not as fresh in people's minds. So when they're thinking about who's the better of these two dudes, they voted for uh, Gilpatrick, who is not a normie anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely. Gilpatrick's Patrick's interviews were fantastic, so yeah, to, to you
1: know. show you how difficult this was for some people, uh one of the comments on here is Scott, you monster
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah I mean just to to give full props, some of these matchups were just brilliant. I don't know if everyone <laughs> read the uh I don't know if everyone's reading the, the like names of the matchups that Scott gives them, but they're they're great. Um, read those.
1: They're increasingly harder to do. I don't know what I've done to myself. Like I was like, Oh, the first week will be the hardest uh-huh. and then it'll go down in half each time. And then Sunday I was like, fuck, <laughs> I can't, yeah. I can't come up what with
0: these. What do these characters have to do with each other? Although uh, n- 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 now that I'm looking at it, I'm like, wow, that's a great, that's a great connection. Oh, that's a great <laughs> connection. That's it's, a, that's a really good connection. So apparently you still got it, man.
1: It's hard. It's hard. It's very hard. <laughs> Uh, the other matchup that was a little surprising was Moose versus Moonsong or, uh, or Moo, as I called them. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, moose took that one, I guess. Like I really, I loved Moonsong and I think on my list of what characters I want to see the resolution of, I'm looking forward to seeing Moonsong in an epilogue somewhere, but, uh, I guess Moose is just, people love that Moose. I can't blame him. Can't blame yeah.
0: him. Yeah. He's, he's, he's great. He's tragic.
1: Um, last one, and I'm not even going to read any comments cause we got to move on, but, uh, Natalie our, our poor girl our poor girl got stopped I think I, I I I think I rated Natalie a six seed I really thought people like Natalie more th- I guess it's just me I guess <laughs> I really like Natalie me and 32% of the Parahumans fandom really like Natalie but everyone else really enjoys Fumehood
0: yeah Fumehood's pretty great mm-hmm. uh, they're both great that's the problem that's always the problem Wildbo creates great characters yeah just in true. general um, Can we the, just uh, remark on how amazing it is that there's all these goddamn characters and everybody has such strong feelings about like all these matchups?
1: Yeah. And I didn't even pick them all. There's 64 here and it's not even all of them. Yeah. And I, I left some out and felt bad about it. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. It is it's crazy. Um, let's, before we stop, the worst losers of this entire tournament uh, is Shortcut, who only got 4% of the vote <laughs> versus Swan Song. I think uh, like I think it was literally like 40 people. <laughs> it was not not very much at all. Poor Mark Dallin, who went up against a five-seed Vista. Um, I think all the really bad matchups were against one seeds, except for poor Mark, who went up against a five-seed and got stomped. Only won 5% of the vote there. Poor Mark. Uh Poor, poor Mark. Crushed. Um, Eric got 9%, so we've correctly determined the level of trolling in the worm community it's at about 9% of the community there yep. go
0: that's we go. that just useful use will be some information for you to know if you get some downvotes you're like well 9 9% of people are <laughs> crazy so
1: <laughs> there you go if anyone ever downvotes you guys on the the subreddit now you know yeah. it's the people that like eric yeah there you go there you go all right, so that is round one, and let's move on to round two, and let's do this pretty quickly, Matt. Let's okay. just go down. We only got 16 matchups this week, four from each bracket, so let's just go down them real quick and see what we got. In the Aleph bracket, we have our number one overall seed, Rain O'Fire Frazier, against Love Lost.
0: Yeah. Mole Madness is this bracket. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are we voting right now? Yeah. All right, vote. I'm voting for Rain.
1: I am voting for Rain as well. I love Love Lost. She's one of my favorite characters. Um, her journey in this book has been remarkable and wonderful. And, and like, uh, like someone said about Amy, the book wouldn't be the same without Love Lost, but rain is rain.
0: <laughs> yep. That's, that's a hundred percent true. Yep. Next All one, right. a problem with heights. You got Aiden Tate, Chicken Little versus Dauntless, the Chronos Titan.
1: See, cause he's, cause he's tall and, and Chicken Little is, as a fear of heights.
0: Did I gotcha. You, did you get it? Do you get I, it? I do. And also he should have put the power into his goddamn boots. <laughs> um, I, I'm actually going to vote for Dauntless in this one.
1: Wow. I'm really? Uh, look,
0: per- Personal reasons because his his inner his, uh, interlude just like destroyed me. It was very powerful for me it, specifically. Yeah. So. I mean,
1: fair. Totally fair. And Dauntless is coming fresh off of knocking the Seamerg. This was one of the upsets. The Seamerg was a 7 seed. Dauntless was a 10 seed. And Dauntless knocked her out of the tournament. It's a big deal. But uh, I got to go for my boy Chicken. My boy Chicken Little. All right. He's too, he's too pure for this world.
0: Extra cance- against him? Canceling me out.
1: <laughs> All right. Next up, we have the Chocolate War. This is Byron Vera versus Candy. So our, our Capricorn Blue versus our Heartbroken. Uh, Matt, who are you going for here?
0: Uh, I'm going to go with Byron. I mean... I'm I'm going to have a hard time voting against Breakthrough. I just, I think they're all such fantastic characters that unless it's Breakthrough versus Breakthrough, I I'm just probably going to end up voting for Breakthrough every time. Yeah.
1: And I tried to arrange the, the bracket. So those would happen very late. The Breakthrough versus Breakthrough matchups. So that's good. uh, So you're not going to have to do that for a bit. Um, I am also going to vote for Byron. Um, I, 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 I love I love the Capricorn brothers. I just love them, which leads perfectly into the next round, Matt.
0: Leaders of the pack. Tristan Vera, Capricorn Red versus Rachel Lint, Bitch. Uh, I mean, if we're going based on Ward, which is how I'm taking this, I'm still gonna have to go with Tristan.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um I think Bitch is one of my absolute favorite characters from Worm. Love her, love her to death. But this is a poll about the characters in in Ward. And I'm not saying Rachel hasn't been a wonderful character, but she hasn't been in it enough to go up against Tristan, who I like. Tristan is a very divisive character to a lot of people, and I get that. Uh, I loved him from the beginning, and I loved every moment of his story, um, even as it ended tragically. So I got to vote for him. I got yep, it. Yep, I agree. All right, that is it for Aleph. Let's move on to Bet. And what's the first one here, Matt?
0: Proof positive uh, Lisa Wilborn Tattletale versus Harbinger 5. Jeff, the nice, nice number boy.
1: Yeah, this is our uh, our upset boy Jeff here up against. Uh, oh, number one seed in the bracket. It
0: hurts me to vote against Harbinger Five. I just think he's so fun. I think the Harbinger boys are so fun. Um, but I mean, yeah. like, like I mean, there's a reason Lisa won last time. She's she's great.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I have to vote
0: for her again. I'm being very predictable and sort of like mainstream with my votes. I feel, but she
1: I'm, didn't. She didn't win last time, though. Taylor won.
0: Taylor won- Well, she got real close.
1: <laughs> yes, true. You know what? I'm going to vote for Jeff. I'm doing it. I, I was g- I-, I was gonna I was gonna go with you, but I'm tired of Tattletale winning all these polls. She's great. I love her. I'm tired of her winning all the time. It's Jeff time.
0: Well, now I feel bad. I should have voted for Jeff. Oh, well, too no, late. it's too late. Yep.
1: All right. Next up we have Barrel Cam, which is one of my not as great ones here. <laughs> oh my god.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is <laughs> uh, it's just awful i love it so
1: we have our number two seed kenzie martin Look out up against sean gilpatrick what are you doing here matt uh
0: gilpatrick's interlude was fantastic i loved it um i still can't vote against a breakthrough character particularly kenzie who had one of the most um interesting and emotional arcs of the story
1: yeah, I'm I'm uh, with you there. I love Gilpatrick. I cannot. If it, it, I think there's not too many characters I would vote for above Gilpatrick, but one of them happens to be Kenzie, and therefore that's what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, sounds good.
1: All right, what's the next one?
0: Tight friends, Sveta versus Darlene.
1: Mm, where are you gonna vote?
0: That's a tough one because like I love Sveta. I don't. I I love Darlene a disproportionate amount though. Um. oh man (laughs) what do you think you go first you're making me go first every time it's nerve-wracking
1: i'm sorry i am voting for sveta um i love that girl so much i love her and darlene is great she's cool she's been really interesting in this book but sveta man
0: yeah she's yeah that's great we'll go sveta sorry i'm not even gonna cancel you out
1: all right uh up next we have bending notes which i think is the most difficult matchup this week it is our number four seed Bella against our number five seed Missy. Um so finale versus Vista here. Gosh, I don't even know what I'm gonna do right now. I am I'm hovering over radio button. Uh, I voted for Vista.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm voting for Vista too. I, I I think um I mean maybe I'm a little bit worm biased, but like the fact that we have seen the this like very interesting growth for this character. Um and I like our hearts were all broken when she was dead briefly. Mm-hmm. I don't think we would have been that bad out of shape if it had been Bella. I'm sorry. I'm just telling the truth.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're right. You're right. You're right.
0: All right. But next. you're,
1: you're going to get a lot of hate for that. I you're know. You're going to get a lot of, of finale fans who are very mad at you.
0: Yeah, I know. I, be and be ready. I deserve it.
1: Be re- that inbox is just going to blow up. It,
0: I know. I'm waiting for it. Just I'm just going to be waiting. a
1: bunch of people going, bam, boom. Tss.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> bam, bam, bam. Right.
1: All right, we're moving on to the Gimmel bracket, and our first match is crushing on Rain.
0: Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> Victoria versus Chastity.
1: Uh, easy decision for me. Chastity's cool, like her power, but Victoria is Victoria. Victoria's
0: Victoria is yeah. Victoria. I agree. Uh, next, next match: uh, Third Wheel, Dragon and Defiant versus Moose. You know, um,
1: I don't yeah. want Dragon and Defiant to go that far in this tournament because. <laughs> I like them but there's so many more interesting more present characters but I I, I don't I don't want to vote for Moose over them. So
0: recency bias is a tough thing with a story this long because like it's been a million trillion years since we really got, you know, what's going on with Moose and Dragon and Defiant have been in it very recently. True. Um so it's very tempting to vote for to vote for them too. I I like I think I am gonna go with Moose this time.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay.
0: Yeah, I just I I, th- I think that what was being done with his character was very kind of fresh and interesting and and unique from the kinds of characters that we get typically. So yeah, I like him.
1: Yeah, um, I am f- like here. Here's where I'm at. I'm fine with Dragon and Defiant going to the Sweet 16 and their run ending there. So I haven't looked yet who they'd be up against, but uh, I'm fine letting them go on and then saying, no, you're done. I'm pulling, I'm pulling you away. So, um, I'm voting for them.
0: Okay. Cool. Uh, next one. Deep cuts. Chris cryptid versus Flashette.
1: Uh, Chris. Easy. easy. Yeah. He's one easy. of my favorite characters of all time. Yep. 100%. So that's easy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the last matchup in Gimmel, um, a matchup name, which I think is not giving enough credit because I've like gone like five layers deep here is Venus to asshole. Uh huh. Which is carry slash Caryatid up against Fume Hood. See, the Venus de Milo is a, is a statue like a Caryatid. I gotcha. No, I'm, but, I'm no. But it's holding an apple. So, and Fume Hood has the 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 tattoo.
0: Well, I, I'm way ahead <laughs> of you, buddy.
1: Okay. Okay. Great. Great.
0: Um, why why are you doing this to me? <laughs> I think. Um,
1: I don't know. I, I think you know. need to
0: vote first on this one because this oh, is your fault.
1: Well, that's not fair. Um, um, fuck. I don't know.
0: I, I, uh, hmm, I think Fume hoods interlude is one of the most powerful parts of the story for me. What's unfortunate is that it was partially because... It was like inextricably bound up with Karyadid's interlude.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you're saying that Karyadid's interlude was not powerful, is what you're saying.
0: No, no. I mean, th- that's why, <laughs> like, like, the reason both of these were so good is because they were tied into each other. I think okay. that I'm going to have to give, I think I'm going to have to go with Fume Hood.
1: You know, I think my greatest mistake in the seeding of this poll is seeding Fume Hood so low. I seated her at 12. I think she's the lowest seed still in it at 12. Yeah, that's true. Um, and that was clearly a mistake. She's much more popular character than that. So I, she should have been much higher seated. Um, ugh. Yeah, voting against the major malfunctions feels so wrong. But I did it once already. So true. I've I've ripped off that Band-Aid and yeah. I'm voting for Fume push. Fuck, fuck. In. I feel terrible.
0: Yep. All, <sighs> right, All right, let's vert. move
1: on to the final bracket. <laughs> okay.
0: Let's, let's do this. Uh, first matchup is Living With Yourself. Uh, Ashley Swansong versus Ashley Damsel. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, Swansong.
1: I'm not going to pretend like I didn't do this on purpose because I did.
0: Um, I, I mean, you did it on purpose in the sense that you sort of set it up. But um, yes. it is pretty funny that it actually worked out that way. So,
1: yes, um, I uh is the right answer here. And I'm sure like Damsel has this whole thing as like you're just like if you could, you'd replace me with her. And by this vote, I say,
0: "Yup." <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, we're, I guess, we're on a, a theme of sisterhood because now we have uh, Imp versus Amy, the Red Queen. Oh, this is a tough one, Scott. It's beloved it sisters. Really, because
1: it? it's a little tongue in cheek. I get it.
0: Yeah. I I already voted while you were talking, <laughs> and I voted for Imp. I mean, you clearly
1: voted for Amy, right? <laughs> Just kidding.
0: Uh, ha, ha, ha.
1: Um. Uh, up next, we have a wretched choice. Which is Waste versus Contessa. Um man, I've never loved Contessa. Like <laughs> she, she serves her role in the story, but I've never I've never I don't think I've ever voted for Contessa in one of these <laughs> polls. So I'm voting for Fragile One.
0: I kind of have to agree. Like just just for the novelty of having this sort of alien, interesting perspective. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. All right. The last matchup, Matt. What is it? Cat like reflexes. Uh Furcate versus withdrawal.
1: Uh, am I going to go 0 for 3 on voting for, for I, my I, major I, malfunctions? I think you're going to have to. I, who I love to death. I love them to death. But I think withdrawal is my least favorite of the major malfunctions. And really? I've already voted against the other two. Well,
0: what's funny is he I think he's my favorite of the major malfunctions. But I oh. still think I like...
1: And you're still going to kill him?
0: I still oh, think gosh. I... This is, a, this, is, this is maybe the toughest for me, though.
1: Um... I got to vote for for Kate. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got to. I got to. Well, hold on. Hold on. Uh Hold on. I might be changing my mind here.
0: Tell you what, Scott, I'll agree to cancel out your vote on this one.
1: Okay. And so that's all we'll say. Yeah. We don't even have to. I don't even have to go on record. And I'll just say whatever it is. Matt's going to do the opposite of it. So it doesn't matter. There you go. go. Because
0: I'm like exactly 50 percent split on this one. So so. I'm
1: just going to message you privately and who I'm voting. And we're not going to have to say. okay, cool. Done. Done.
0: All right. Click. Yeah. And you and no one will ever find out. And nope. you and I, I'm sure we'll forget within like five minutes. Yeah, so. we'll
1: never. Yeah. So it's, that's it's gonna, that's
0: going to be real frustrating for everyone. All right. <laughs> um,
1: well, that's it. That's round two. Yeah. Um, so the the voting for this round will end this Sunday. So if you you probably should have just voted along with us, that would be the easiest thing to do if you haven't voted already. I, I see by the numbers many people have. Matt, we've had uh, twelve hundred people participate in this poll, which is incredible. It's great participation i love that uh thank you guys so much i hope you're enjoying this i'm enjoying this hopefully you don't take it too seriously it's just (laughs) supposed to be fun Um, yeah it's great so we will have our sweet six next week we will talk about the winners of round two and we will pick our sweet 16 choices it's very exciting
0: yeah i'm looking forward to it me too that's all we've got for you this week on we've got ward you guys are all part of this show so feel free to provide us with advice questions or thoughts on this week's reading
1: You can reach out to us via email at gotwormpod at gmail.com or over on our Twitter account at gotwormpod. I was sick this Sunday, so I did not do a live read of these two chapters. I'm sorry about that, but I'm all better now. So next week, two more chapters, going to tweet them.
0: Yeah, well, we're glad you're feeling better. Yes. If you're not already subscribed to We've Got Ward. we recommend you do so so you never miss an episode. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else in the world that you can listen to podcasts.
1: And as always, you can find this on all of our shows over at our website, www.doofmedia.com. That's where you can find the now concluded podcast, Deep Impact. It's done. Well, it's not quite done. They've got some stuff coming out. I think they have their epilogue episode to publish, but it's just about done. So if you've been wanting to read Pact, that show's done now. So you can read it and follow along with them. Their episodes are much shorter than ours, so it'll be less time. Hooray.
0: Yeah, and you know a fun thing you can do is if you've read packed, then just like you can skip around and and check out the episodes that that correspond to the uh to the chapters that you really enjoyed and and just get a taste of the show and and maybe start out there and and if if you dig it, then uh you can you can binge it like uh any any sane person would do. Um, I, can't,
1: I can't believe you just gave them the option to skip around.
0: What is I, wrong with? Well, you? it's a, you give them. What, what do they say about drugs? You get you, the first one is free or, or some shit like that.
1: So you're you're a pusher, is what yeah, you're I'm saying. Yeah, I'm just trying to get him. hooked.
0: Yeah, yeah. You give them the good stuff. Wow. Anyway, wow. if you like any of these illicit substance shows that we're <laughs> trying to push on you, um, consider giving us money for those <laughs> things. Um, via Patreon.com/DoofMedia, supporting us on Patreon at the $20 level per month gets you the power to force us to watch a movie or a short story of your choice and do an episode about it on our podcast, The Doofcast. It, uh, as well as every other level, gives you the ability to vote in the quarterly fan art and costume contests and to participate in the excellent Discord chat. Um, And of course, make sure you head on over to patreon.com slash wildbow and donate to wildbow while you're at it, because this is his world. We're just playing in it. This week, we have special thanks to uh, a whole mess of new patrons. Bidoof's M. Rosie, Kush J., Nathan Awake, Matthew R., Katie W., Andrew M., Shrey, new doof dancer, Daniel T., new doof trooper, Rebecca B., a new doof warrior ddev wow
1: yeah That's guys, great th- holy crap um yeah i think a lot of this is a result of the all packed up live stream and if so thank you guys so much um i hope you guys enjoyed that content very much ruben like we talked about at the beginning of the show ruben and elliot knocked it out of the park raised five thousand two hundred dollars or something like that uh it's yeah, you gave so much, and some of you even became patrons of ours, which is kind of even more nice. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you so if, you know you, this, we're we're wrapping up right now. So, um, if you need twenty four hours more content, just go over there. Yeah, a and, whole twenty four hours, and just do that. Yeah,
1: I I don't know how much of it you watched, Matt, but there's some parts where. Those guys are getting goofy as shit, man. That's real funny. The Packed the Musical is like the most amazing thing I've ever
0: seen. <laughs> I I haven't watched all of it yet. Um, I'm I'm sort of I'm sort of gonna spread it out for myself.
1: Packed the Musical.
0: I have Prioritize not watched
1: it. Prioritize it.
0: Okay, I have not watched Packed the Musical yet. Um, I mean we we did some we did some role playing with them. That's what we did. Yes, so we did. That, that was, that was fun. really fun. Obviously. we met
1: you met uh, Kent Sullivan, boy reporter, which. Yep. Uh, was yep. my wonderful character that and Ruf- I Rupert had, Belmont had a fun time playing that. Anyway, uh, if you cannot afford to donate right now, that is absolutely okay. That's fine, guys. You can st- instead help us out by sharing this podcast, um, sharing Deep Impact, sharing any of the other shows on our channel, sharing our 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 website in general or you can head all over to apple Podcasts or stitcher and leave us a rating and a review as we always say every single review even this late in the show does help new people find us um, if they see like a thousand reviews next to a podcast and it's still five stars they're like holy crap this must be the best podcast ever
0: yeah. yes it is yeah. so it, it's true yeah. um i mean right it yeah. is true
1: i mean yeah I don't yeah. think we still have five stars, but you know, close I, think,
0: enough. I think it's close enough that the, <laughs> the, the human eye can't tell the difference. Indeed. Well, that's all we have for you this week. Uh, next week, we will hit you up with some more of Arc Twenty. Last
1: is are we gonna? Is Chris gonna do the thing? Are we gonna find out what genocide means?
0: I, so no. many questions. Jesus, I hope so.